Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Relationships, uh, you know, how soon do you reveal certain things about yourself when it comes to relationships? We will also get into the college boycott that occurred on the uh, University of Missouri's campus. So we'll discuss that as well. And after all of that, we will get into some zone coverage and talk a little sports. Um, in the meantime, I guess. Let me set this show up and explain to those of you who may be new how all of this works. This show is a platform for you, the callers, the chat room participants, the social networkers. All of you have the opportunity to voice chat or tweet your opinions to me and be heard worldwide and completely uncensored. Because here on T2Q, there are no experts, just opinions. Unlike most shows where you simply just listen to the host talk on and on, I allow you the opportunity to speak your mind. You can join my show legends each episode and discuss a wide range of things like relationships, current events, sports, politics, and more. This show is very informal by design because, let's face it, my style is very unorthodox in nature. The topics are random, but they're relevant with what's going on in the world today. The call-in number to step on your soapbox is 347-202-0215. That's 347-202-0215. If you decide to call in and you get the urge to voice your opinion, then after you connect, simply hit 1 on your dial pad. That lets me know that you're ready to speak, and it places you in the host queue. And please mute your phone if you're not speaking at the time, because background noise picks up easily over cell phones and headsets. Now, another way you can contribute to the show is to follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. 
There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. All right. T2Q radio show number 537 starts right after a word from my official sponsor, CrystalHickerson.com. The novels of Crystal Hickerson. The Magician. The metaphysical action drama about the fight between good and evil which holds the fate of man in the balance. Street Corners. A tragic romantic crime saga of a man who has the hearts of two very different women in his hands. The choice he makes will hurt them both. Wanted. A ghostly story about a woman caught between the planes of life and death. It is left up to the reader to decide which reality was real. The Volunteer. The struggle of a man with his career and his life teetering on thin ice. Can love truly conquer all? And if you think this is the end for Crystal, you would be wrong. For as you listen to this, a new dynamic tale is on the way. Go to crystalhickerson.com to purchase all of her novels. Follow her on social media and listen to her on the radio at thecrystalshow.com. Enter the amazing world at crystalhickerson.com. My thanks to crystalhickerson.com for being an official sponsor of the Talk to Q radio show. All right, and tonight we are discussing in relationships, how soon do you reveal certain things about yourself? Um, You know, there are a lot of big milestones to surpass in your average relationship, but the little ones are the ones that are the most important. You have to be able to get past them in order for the relationship to even occur. And the question is timing. At some point, you have to reveal something about yourself that could send your potential mate running for the heels, Um, especially if you're older and you have some quote-unquote dating mileage on you. Tonight on T2Q, we'll ask the question, how soon do you? When it comes to certain relationship items, such as, How soon do you tell a person how many kids you have? Or how soon do you tell a person you may not have a car? How soon do you tell a person that you have an STD? All important questions when it comes to getting getting to know someone who may be your significant other. Do you tell them on date number one? Do you tell them on date number five? That's what we're breaking down tonight on this edition of the Talk to Q Radio Show. No experts, just opinions. If you want to join... 347-202-0215 is the number to participate. And let me go to the phone lines to the 248 area code, the Motor City of Detroit. And welcome on the author, the show hostess, the show legend, Crystal Hickerson. Crystal, what's going on? Thank you. How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing this evening? 
Pretty good. Pretty good? Okay, okay. That's good. And we will go ahead and kick things off. Again, the number 347-202-0215 to um, join the discussion. And so, Crystal, I basically have like a series of questions um, asking regarding when you disclose certain things when it comes to relationships, because there are just some things that you have to reveal about yourself. And I guess the first one is a simple one. When it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone you have kids? Um, well, I would say first date, <laughs> or um, it, hopefully you've talked before your first date at least. You should have disclosed that information probably before you even went out on a date, but I guess if you haven't really talked, then, um, yeah, first date. Okay, why is it so important to put it out there first date? Because they need to know what they're getting into. Um, if, you know, especially if the kids are really small, but I'd say just anyway. I mean, that's a part of who you are. Um, I mean, you can let them know where they are, you know. Um, hmm. Like, for me, they're grown and gone, so, but they're mm-hmm. still there. I mean, they're kids. Well, not really. I guess they're grown people, but um, but if you have like little children in in you know anywhere, especially if they're living with you and you're you know you're raising them or however, you don't have to go into specifics of the situation, such as you know everything about your ex and what's going on with their father or whatever. But you do need to just let them know that you are a single parent. All right. So like. Maybe it's a situation. (laughs) Right. Maybe it's a situation where your kids are grown. If just hypothetically, if you met a guy and you have been dating him for like, you know, two weeks, you've been out two or three times and you find out he does have kids after two or three weeks and he just didn't tell you because they were grown, I mean, would that raise a red flag for you if for any reason he didn't tell you from the get go? No, that wouldn't raise a red flag in particular. I mean, I mean, my conversations in the first, first and second date are exploratory. They should be. Mm-hmm. So I want to know about who you are, and do you have any kids, and are you married? Are one of my first couple of questions that you know we'll be talking about anyway. So, because I want to know your situation. Who are you? Right. And so you're going to get it out. Whether you have kids or not, does that says that tells me a lot about you. So, um, and then, of course, if you have the kids, especially if they're a guy, um, are you in contact with them? <laughs> that says okay. a lot about you, too. So you Do can you gather information. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So that, you can gather a lot of information just from those simple questions. Okay. All right. I understand that. It makes a lot of sense. Let me go to the 732 area code, the Garden State of New Jersey, and bring on the show enforcer, Ray. Ray, what's happening, man? Hey, Q, what's going on, brother? How you doing tonight, Crystal? Doing well, bro. Hey, Ray. All right, Ray, so let me ask you this. When it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you have a crazy ex? You know, you're you're you met this this new girl. She's she's nice. She seemed like she's about something, but your last one just will not go away. She keeps showing up at your house. You know, she keeps showing up at your job and just causing trouble. 
So how soon do you tell the new one that you have an, a crazy ex, or do you tell her at all? Um, I think it's a little different with with with, with a guy dating a female, but I, I think it should just come up in conversation. If you're sitting down and you're talking and, you know, usually, you know, I'm a person, I like to ask a lot of questions because it's something I want to know. I feel like I should be able to ask a question, just like if mm-hmm. somebody want to know something about me. I feel like it should ask a question. I don't think it should ever be a thing where somebody asks you what you do, Oh, you know, I I do a little this, do a little that. Somebody talking that kind of shit, get up and walk out and leave. You know what I mean? Because if you go out, you're supposed to be able to, you know, talk to somebody. And I think it's only right that you let a person know exactly what's going on. I mean, a female, you know, they can do something, but really how much can they do? And, you know, I don't think nobody's really worried about the ex-girl coming to jump on a new girl. Not in your presence anyway. You shouldn't allow that. I mean, some guys will. They let a girl slap them all upside the head and all that. And, you know, it can get real messy out there. But, you know, they know you don't play. They know you don't not to try nothing like that. So I think as a guy, you really don't have to worry about it as much. Now, if it's a female, she got a crazy ex. All right, you got to watch out because you don't know what you're working with. Dude might have a gun. He might be crazy. He might have just got out of jail and no mind going back. You you know, you got to really watch out for yourself. So, you know, I think it's a little bit different. Okay, but you say as far as it coming up in conversation, it can be date yeah. one or date five. It don't matter to you, huh? No, nah, I mean the first date because usually that's where it goes. So tell me. If you don't have a girlfriend, when you have last girlfriend or whatever, they're going to ask that question. So, right. you know, ain't no sitting dancing. Well, you know, it kind of ended like this, ended like that. Just tell them straight up what it was. So they understand, you know. And they can assume the risk if they want to. Yeah. All right. I get that. Crystal, what do you think? I mean, how soon do you tell the the new potential Boo! That your last one is crazy. Well, um, if someone is really interrupting your life, is that's what you mean by crazy? Yeah. Um, is it, that they're still, you know, yeah, affecting your life? Then hopefully you're not going to be pursuing another relationship until you get that under control. Sometimes it doesn't doesn't pop up until you know, you start seeing someone else because maybe that switches on, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the fact that you're with somebody else because then right. it's like, okay, now I don't have a chance or whatever. So um, I, I, I personally would not want to subject that new person to the situation. It, uh, what I would be doing if if I knew this was happening already, then I wouldn't be pursuing anybody else. And I'd probably tell the person who was asking me out, well, this is why, or, you know, if you really persist. So essentially before the first date is when you would let them know if asked. Yeah, I got a situation (laughs) that I need to take care of or something. And, um, but in the same thing as it happens, like, later, like I didn't realize how crazy this person was until... Mm -hmm. Or like he would be affecting my life until now I start going out and he, now he starts realizing. Mm-hmm. Then I would let them know that he may need to back off because you can't 
funk, you can't, you know, focus or really anything on a, on a new situation. And I don't think it's fair to just bring somebody into your your bullshit. And um, I haven't had too many of those kinds of situations happen to me uh-huh. uh, where the other guy is affecting the new guy. Um, usually it's just, it's just about me and him kind of a right. situation. Right. But, uh, you know, but I would just say to other and I think I think that so many people do that. They get involved when they know that their situation, current situation, is not over um, or, you know, whatever, whether it's a crazy situation or just, you know, a relationship that's not really over. They continue um, because they like the drama. I think a lot of people do, like, continue drama, even though they won't admit it. Right. Like it. Well, I, I do make think that more, you're. Say what? To make their life more exciting. Uh, I, I do think that your advice, as far as they shouldn't partake in anything new, is the best advice. Uh, you know, take care of your situation before you bring someone else in it. I do think, from a woman's perspective, sometimes they may be looking for the new guy to save them from the old guy. Um, and it's like for those guys out there who like wearing the S, you go right ahead. But um, I'm not really trying to take bullets from anybody that's new. <laughs> so, you know, I'd like you handle that situation and come holler at me after the fact. And from a um, guy's perspective, a lot of times we overlook women and, you know, the type of damage they can cause. You know, we're like, oh, she ain't going to do nothing. She harmless. And then you next thing you know, your your new girlfriend, you know, has four flat tires or she got jumped by three girls after work. And I, I mean, a lot of times we just dismiss it and we don't take it seriously. And uh, I mean, don't think that women can't do damage because they can, you know. And so I, I think a lot of people just need to, if there is a situation and someone wants to date you, let them know up front. Just like Crystal said, before they even... You know, you even get out with them. Let them know, hey, this is my situation. This is what I'm going through. And if they decide they want to get involved, and you know, God bless them. <laughs> Let them get involved and do their thing. But all right, so Chris, I'm gonna stick with you on this one. Oh wow, you were breaking up. Say that again. I'm sorry. When it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you're unemployed? I'm unemployed. <laughs> yes. Um. Well, that will probably come up in, I think, probably the first date. Like, so, what do you do? <laughs> you know? I mean, hmm. that's just uh, that's just the you know general question for me in conversation. So, I probably on the first date, you know, I would tell them, well, I'm not working. I'm independently employed. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm, you know, I work for myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tell them that I have these these businesses going on, which I do, but um, those businesses that are just mine. Um, obviously, do not pay my bills, so I have to actually go out and work for other people. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I would say something like, I would just tell them the truth. I mean, what the hell? I'm not working right now. I'm in between jobs. Looking for new opportunities. Ray, Ray, what do you think? I told you, let them know you ain't got no job. I mean, um, 
it all depends. I mean, if you if you're not working or whatever depends on what your situation is, you really shouldn't be out dating, but it depends on what the situation is. Some people are good if they're not working. So it all depends, you know. You an athlete that's not working, you know, you might have a couple hundred thousand dollars in a bank, couple million or you know, right. or it all depends on what the situation is. If the person had a big job, they may be all right, but the average person, you know, no, nah, they're not working then that kind of tells you, you know, what the situation is going to be. So, but I think you should be honest with a person because they ask you a direct question and you lie to them. That ain't good. That ain't starting off on the wrong foot. That's starting off on the wrong feet. <laughs> okay. So, Ray, all right, let's look at something a little more simple. Um, you know, maybe you're employed, but when it comes to dating, how soon do you tell a woman that you don't have a car? I mean, tell her as soon as, soon as she asks you. I mean, but you should be able to explain why you don't have a car. You know, and usually it's not a good thing because there's another thing my dad used to always tell me. If you see a grown man with a don't have a car, something wrong with them. Because mm-hmm. every man want to be able to ride around. And when you look at it, you say, okay, yeah, that's up for a person to make the decision right there as to why you don't have a car. Okay, now, everywhere you go, you got to be thumbing a ride, a catching a ride, or you know, or so forth. But, you know, every situation is different if you won't say that, but, you know, most folks that don't have a car is usually, you know, they fall into a certain category, but, you know, I think you should let them know as soon as they ask. But those are some of the questions that particularly a female should be asking on the date. You know, we're going to get down to the lust. you got to ask the questions first. Yeah, some people don't know what questions to ask. Um, and that's part of the problem. And um, Crystal, what about you? How soon do you tell um, the new guy that you don't have a car? Well, um, unless I live in New York or somewhere like that where I don't necessarily need a car all the time, um, mm-hmm. then I would uh, definitely let him know, I guess, I guess when he asks, really. Um, especially if it's like it was hard for me to get there or something like that, or if we're like we're meeting up. Um, and that's another, to me, a casual kind of conversation kind of thing. Uh, it's part of your first date. That's why your first date, you should be actually having conversations with people. It's like an interview. You should be interviewing this person. Who Who is this? And so, okay. yeah, I mean, as soon as he asked, I would, I would let him know. New, I'm in between vehicles at the moment. <laughs> in between vehicles. Looking for new opportunities. <laughs> well, stuff like that. I guess you can always try to date a car salesman. That might help. No, but, no, no car salesman. <laughs> but uh, let's see. Bad Man chimed in on Facebook. He says uh, day one. 
Uh, well, I'm sorry, he said from jump. So, uh, yeah. yeah, as soon as it, the relationship starts. And I think most of the time that might come up because when you're, even if you're meeting someone somewhere, they may see you getting off the bus or getting out of a taxi. Or when it's time to go, I'm assuming you're going to walk out together. So at that point, they're going to be like, uh, you know, can I get a ride? <laughs> I mean, they're going to let you know something. <laughs> you know. Uh, but it's something I think that should come up very soon. And and it depends on where you live. Like Crystal says, it may not be a big deal if you live in New York. Um, if you live here in Mississippi, it's definitely a big deal. And um, if you're a guy, I'm alone, I, I come from an old school line of thinking like, like Ray, where if you're a guy, you don't have a car, that's bad. Um, a woman without a car, most guys don't necessarily care. Um, unless she lives in a bad neighborhood and you have to go get her, that might be a problem. But for the most wow. part, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> and you'll get your car taken and you both walking. All right, so Crystal, when it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you live at home with your parents? Um, well, I guess, again, that kind of, that's part of your your immediate conversations. I mean, it's amazing to me, like, you know, you're naming off these different things, but it's amazing to me how many people don't know this information weeks after or even months sometimes True. after they, um, or start dating someone, you know, and it's like, well, where did you think he was going? Or, you know, he doesn't have a car, but he lives in this big house by himself. <laughs> hmm. Oh, no, he's living in the basement or in his old room. So, I mean, it, I would definitely want to ask this question. It's part of my series of what do you do? And then that leads into conversation, I probably wouldn't necessarily ask somebody right off the bat um, what kind of car you drive. I would, um, you know, say it in different ways, like, well, hey, I'm I'm driving a Dodge right now, I blah, 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 I don't know that much about cars. Hey, what do you drive? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know that much about cars. Um, are you into cars? You know, and then with the house situation, um, you could say, well, that was, that's a very beautiful home you live in. Um, I was thinking about uh, buying, you know, in this area. Uh, what do you what do you pay for your mortgage? What's the, how long have you been living there? And, you know, things like, I mean, you just, just stuff like that, you can get information out. I don't see why it's so hard for people to ask these kinds, kinds of questions, but I think I know for as from a woman's standpoint, a lot of times we don't ask questions that we don't want answered. So we don't say, like, are you married? And why is your ring finger light on in little circles around your finger? That's kind <laughs> of odd. Uh, you know, things like that. You know, right. I mean, little things like that we don't ask because we don't want to fuck up our little dream we're having in our head. So mm. we don't ask those questions. But, yeah, as soon as possible. All these questions come out for me almost immediately. I mean, as we're eating. And then maybe I wait to the dessert to ask other questions. I mean, but yeah, first date. Okay. On Facebook, Lady T agrees immediately. Uh, let's see. And Ray, what do you think? How soon you tell someone that uh, you're living at the crib with your with your parents? 
mean, I hate to keep saying as soon as they ask, but yeah, as soon as they ask, I mean, it, it's like they gonna find out sooner, sooner or later. And I mean, the way females think and date now is usually can be later than sooner because they're not asking the right questions. You know, if you pick the dude up at the house, you get look at a house and all right, dude, twenty five. You know, if he if he gonna get a condo more so than get a house with all that yard in the back, you got a Buick in the driveway. You know, that's his, his folks' house. He don't stay there. You know, what I mean, he's just living there. So you mm-hmm. kind of already know what it is in the first place. So, you know, I, I think the best policy is, is to just let it all hang out and tell it like it is. I mean, if your life is that messed up, then maybe you shouldn't really be dating. Or if it's that crazy, maybe you really shouldn't be dating. But I don't think you should not tell a person, you know, all about yourself if you're interested in them. I agree. Uh, I just think there's just certain things you have to let people know, and those are some of the basics, if you ask me. Uh, now, it can get a little more complicated, and we will get right into that after these words from my sponsors. AnytimeVoice.com. We offer finest voiceover services in all the major and minor languages of the world in the fastest turnaround time. Our rates are the cheapest and accuracy 100% coupled with 24-7 customer care support. Professional voiceover services. Quick turnaround with best quality 24-7 services available. Multilingual voiceover. 100% satisfaction guarantee. 24-7 free customer support number. 1-866-220-9955. AnytimeVoice.com. Cincinnati native and current Boston resident Chris Katzel has released his new album entitled Electrophetamine. It is available on iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and www.thetrying.net. Now, Electrophetamine is a collection of psychedelic and progressive electronic tracks guaranteed to get your heart pumping and imagination running wild. Influenced by Nine Inch Nails, Mindless Self-Indulgence, and a huge concoction of artists from various genres, Electrophetamine is guaranteed to pique your interest and then to fill a void you didn't even know that you had. 18 different tracks, 18 different journeys. Please visit www.thetrying.net for more information. That's www. The T H E trying T R Y I N G dot net for more information and give Chris a listen. Then try all your be real. That's the better deal with them Hebrew roots. You probably don't have a clue, but it's true. It's what they do. Keeping your hair healthy with care. Watching other people stare. That's the glare. Getting rid of that dandruff. When your hair gets rough, they know when it's tough. I ain't getting the bluff. You got it staying up. Is enough with 12 different type of try oils. So quit acting like you ain't got no type. Follow the Hebrews right, because the Hebrews nice tonight. Uh. All right, and my 
my thanks to my sponsors, AnytimeVoice.com, TheTrying.net, and MyHebrewRoots.net. 347-202-0215 is the number on the Talk to Q radio show, talking about how soon you reveal certain things about yourself in a new relationship. And uh, we'll move on to the next question. It gets a little tougher. Uh, Ray, I'll start with you on this one. When it comes to dating, Ray, how soon do you tell someone that you're a virgin or maybe that you're celibate? Um, <laughs> I say it again, but, you know, if they ask, I think you should pretty much put it out there, you know, because they ask you direct question, what can you say to them besides, what are you going to say, oh, I really don't want to discuss that now. You got a person thinking, wondering, you know, they don't know exactly what they're getting, but I think if you let them know, they can choose to deal with it or not deal with it. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing unless you're like 30 or something. Now, he's got to be further explanation behind, you know, what's going on. But, you know, if a girl's in college or, you know, 21 or something like that, although that's kind of you know, old, you know, it ain't outrageous where you like, like damn, you, just, you know, something got to be wrong somewhere. So, you know, mm-hmm. I was thinking you should just tell a person what's going on and let them deal with it. And it. An intelligent person would be able to ask questions as far as, you know, why did you so why? decide to wait or are you waiting for somebody special or What's the case? Was it something that happened in your childhood? I mean, you can ask all these questions. I mean, we sit down eating and kicking it. When somebody clam up on me, then you know that ain't that ain't for me. Okay, all right. So, um, Crystal, what do you think? How soon do you tell someone that you're either a virgin or you're celibate? Um. Okay. What date um, are we talking here? First of all, I don't know. If you're celibate, why are you dating? I don't understand that. Right, so, <laughs> okay. I, mean, I mean, what's the point of dating? Come on, <laughs> I mean, really, I don't understand. Uh, um, you know, if you're vegan, why are you at McDonald's? I don't get it. Why? Why are you here? Oatmeal. <laughs> Whatever. If, okay, so if you're a virgin, um, if you're a virgin, I really think um, somehow this, it may not be the first date, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully if you're a virgin, okay, for both. If you're a virgin or you have celibate, I'm assuming celibate, uh, celibate means that you have had sex at some point, but you have decided not to at some other point. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Okay, yeah. so either of those people, whether you are a virgin or whether you are celibate, otherwise known as your, you know, you are, your sexuality is very, you know, special to you, you know, and you will pick the right person to pursue. So, with that said, hopefully you've chosen someone who already respects those two things out of your choice. It's not just a random date. You know, it's someone that you have chosen from maybe from your lifestyle as a virgin. Maybe you're just someone in a religious sect or whatever mm-hmm. who respects that or part of your culture. 
who expects you to be a virgin or whatever. And as a celibate, maybe the same kind of things, you've chosen a certain type of man. In other words, you would want to let them know um, as soon as you start to pursue them. But if you're either of those, just the fact of you pursuing them would be different as someone who's just dating. So to me, it's like more of a process before you actually go out on a date. So there may be things that he should already know about you. You know what I mean? Okay, so that's going to be one of those pre-date things. It's a, to me, it would be a pre-date because, um, and maybe less so for a virgin because, you know, you're in a different kind of probably a world or climate. But for someone who has decided, you can't tell if a woman has decided to be celibate. You, I mean, it's not written on her, it's not whatever, but um, she may not be in certain circles or whatever, maybe in the same circles as you are or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I think for a woman who has made some decisions about her life like that, mm-hmm. that, yeah, before you even decide I'm going to date this person or go out with them, yeah, you should be having regular friendship conversations where this topic is already known, you know, to them. So, yeah, pre-date. I, I agree. I think this is something that has to be revealed some kind of way before you go out. Um, because if you fool around and go out with, you know, first night Joe, who's used to hitting on the first night, and he he spends his money and realizes there ain't nothing going down, you know, you know, he might decide to insult you and walk out on the tab or something. So I just think that, uh, you know, of course, you know, you want him to walk away. He's not for you. But the point is, is keep him wasting your time or anyone else's time. Um, you know, you kind of want to broach that conversation, I think, before you actually reach the first date. Um, unless this may be a first date where it's kind of a maybe a casual setting where because sometimes you don't always have a chance to really talk before a first date and maybe you're just going to meet for coffee and kind of see if you like each other and all that stuff but I think the sooner the better you want to let someone know if you're a guy and you know like Ray said you're a 30 or 35 year old virgin or something then you know there might be some people that think that's that's weird I mean of course it's totally respectable um, but there's going to be some people who are going to be kind of, you know, thrown off by it because of the society that we live in. And it could make some make for some awkward conversations or feelings of discomfort. So, I mean, the sooner you get that out and the reasons why, I think the more people have a better understanding of you can take things forward. But for those who, you know, are virgins, Crystal... Let me go to Ray. Ray, when it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you have an STD? You know, maybe somebody fooled around and got the hurt. I mean, or or, or the HPV or whatever. I mean, how soon do you let somebody know, hey, if we decide to take this any further, you may want to wear a space suit with me? Um, I can't imagine nobody really saying that, but, um, I would say, uh, if you got all that going on, you really shouldn't be dating, you know, and, uh, because, you know, what, what, what I mean, more so on, on the guy side of things, you know, they, they fools, they go for anything, 
that's why, you know, ladies do the things they do. They go for anything. So, you know, you could tell a guy, you know, you got this, but if you just, you know, put a condom on or something, you know, you'll be all right, and he'll be all right with that. Instead of saying, nah, that ain't something I should mess with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Somebody... If somebody were to say something like that, I appreciate your honesty, but you know it's gonna stop right there. It ain't, it ain't like you say, oh, two years ago or something. I had the crabs or I had this and that, but yeah, I got it all cleared up. So that's something totally different. But not, but saying that you have something right then and there, oh, that's rough. There, I mean, you don't need to be dating. I mean, yeah, there's some people that have something that just, you know, won't go away, unfortunately. And they have to live with people, I guess, you know, when that time comes, the crystal, when is that time? I mean, is that another pre-date thing, or is that something you can be okay saying somewhere, date two, date three, hey, this is my situation? I think, um, I wouldn't say a pre-date, um situation. I guess it would depend on the level of your um, situation. I mean, if you have like you know, AIDS, um, especially yeah. if it's full-blown, you've got an HIV carrier or you have AIDS, um, or any type of something like that, I think that, of course, should be discussed before you even really start pursuing someone. But, um, but I think, you know, I guess for your average STD, whatever. I mean, one that can be okay if you just wear a rubber, you know, or something. Um, I think that that should be discussed as soon as you feel that you will have sex with them. I mean, you may not know that on the first date. That's um, true. Or, well, well, actually, no, I know. <laughs> I know immediately. But they could fuck it up on the first date. You know, I could have wanted to have sex yeah. with you until you open your mouth. And we started actually having a conversation. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, that, until you decide you actually are going to pursue something romantic with them on a real level. So I think at least by the second date, you know, um, unless you're one of those people who actually has sex on the first date. Um, but first I think you should always, sorry, you should always use universal precautions. <laughs> when it comes to, you know, dating or relationships like that. I mean, anytime you have sex with anyone, period, it doesn't matter. You need to have protection. Yeah. Because they may not even realize that they have something. Um, this is you true. Know, they herpes, you know, it stays in your body. So I don't know. But, you know, so you should, um, you should always assume that the other person could possibly give you something, no matter how clean, quote-unquote, they look. Right. It has nothing to do with anything. No. So, so, yeah, but, yeah, as soon as as possible, as soon as before, you know, you start actually fondling each other, um, you know, you get to that (laughs) point or whatever, (laughs) you should definitely (laughs) do that. Yeah. Okay, okay. I I agree with you. I think you have to... um, you don't have to reveal it day one because then all of a sudden you've told 51st dates all your business and it might not have even gotten to that point. Um, however, I, I do think that it's, it's important that you can't just 
act like you don't know. You know, it's important. It's something that you have to um, uh, just reveal and let the person decide what they want to do. You know, and you go from there. So when you decide you want to have sex with the person, you got to let them know, hey, this is what's going on and this is my situation. And then you kind of put the ball in their court to where if they want to strap up and take and pray nothing ever happens and then go from there, you know. And again, it does depend on the severity of the STD uh, as far as that's concerned. But all right. Hey Q, I don't I don't know if you I don't know if you have this in your uh, line of questions, but um, at what point do you remove the condoms? Because you know I have something to say it might not be too popular, but you know. Man, that's a very good question. I like to I like to throw that out to you also. Go ahead. I mean, you know, with the, with the condom deal, I mean, if you're having casual sex, and that's one thing, but if you making the girl your girl and you have an understanding. See, a lot of people talk about using condoms, using condoms. Oh, we're going to use the third time, the fifth time. Okay, what about, you know, you left them out in the car, you really going to go out at 12 o'clock at night and get them condoms? Or, you know, you're already in the house and raining outside. Or, you know, at what point do you remove the condom? Because a lot of people be talling condom this, condom that. Shit, you just ate the damn disease if you eat a goose or whatever. <laughs> so, at what point do you remove the condoms? Everybody, oh, you got to use a condom. I use a condom. Okay, is she performing oral sex? Then what you need the condom for? You know what I'm saying? So it comes to mm-hmm. a point where you just say, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that ain't a popular thing to say. And a lot right. of people, you shouldn't be fooling around with everybody and everybody and everybody, but, you know, that condom deal, I never really got that. Just walking around with condoms and talking about, you know, they getting the head over here and there. What's the condom for? You ate the disease or suck the disease out. <laughs> Crystal, what do you think? I mean, uh, I think women are, well, at one time, women were more responsible when it came to sex and unprotected sex. I don't know about now. I think both women and men both make their share of mistakes. But um, if you're dating someone and you're having sex with them, at what point in the relationship do you say, hey, it's okay to take off the condom? Because you have some people who say it's not happening until they get married. You have others who are okay with day one, you know. I'm more on the line of marriage um, or on the line of when you feel um, that the other person, um, you know, is committed to you. Of course, when do you really ever know that? Um, yes. And, of course, if you are solid in your birth control regimen <laughs> um, on either party <clears throat> or both, really, so, but I, I say as soon as you feel that, you know, you're in a committed relationship and a few test results have returned. So. Okay. So once you get, te- get tested, it's all good at that point. Well, yeah, I think people, when they, you know, I think people, you know, if they're, especially if they're considering, I mean, you should get tested anyway. But mm-hmm. especially if you are considering 
removing the condom and, you know, just chucking everything to the wind. And then they said, please, let's have some paperwork on, on you know, how you are physically. I mean, okay. I mean, because I think we, first of all, you all should always be going, you know, when you get your annuals, go ahead and get, check up and see whether or not, if, you know, if you're... Make sure you ain't got that package. Right. I mean, you know, um, but I think that, um, I don't think you should take off the costume until you are sure. And definitely, definitely, even if you are like, well, I failed the test, he's good, I'm good, we're all good, but, um, and then all of a sudden you're pregnant, you know, Mm. (laughs) because you need to be thinking about, do you have a very safe pregnancy regimen, I mean, you know, our regime or whatever. I mean, is it 0%? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, really. And some people are. Some people are 0% they're not getting pregnant. But that's a handful of people. And it's not, you know, when you think about the sex, you know, dating, especially the younger you are, you know, you, you haven't had, you know, a vasectomy maybe, you know, you haven't had your tubes tied, so. Right. You're still able to have children. So no matter what kind of other stuff you're using, it's not 100% or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I would say as long as possible. Okay. You know, is the best. But I know, I know the whole thing. It doesn't feel as good or, oh, I don't have them or blah, blah, blah. But think about that. I mean, that's the choice you take. So that's, but know. my thing is, up until that point, there is no oral sex, then I would assume. Because if there is oral sex, what is the condom for? Wait, wait, wait. Well, I'm saying, <laughs> if you're talking about removing the condom, while the condom staying on as long as possible, is mm-hmm. there oral sex going along with the sex? Because you know oral sex in most relationships is the start of two sex, just to be truthful. Yeah. About it. yeah. So, therefore, if there is oral sex, is there oral sex before the condom comes off? Because if you, if you was to pull it out, would you say 90% of women performing oral sex? Guys, it might be lower, but women. What, what, what would you put the position? A lot of people, and I agree with you, Ray. A lot of people don't think about it. They'll they'll go down on someone and then tell them to put on a condom. And yeah. um, at that point, it's all about not getting pregnant. Got a mouth full of it. So yeah, uh, yeah well, I agree. Yeah, with you. A lot of people don't even, don't even think about it that way. Now <laughs> I mean, pulling that gun real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your mouth be burning in the morning. So. um but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's something people need to think about, you know. Uh, that's why they make the little dental dam things that nobody want to fool with. But um, I guess somebody buys them. I'm not sure. But, all right, let me get to the yeah, Magnolia State, uh, Mississippi, to the 601 area code I go. And uh, he dropped out of the host queue. I, uh, my bad. I, I'll come back to you then. In the meantime, I will oh, – now he's back in the host queue. The man, the legend, the Minister of Sexual Affairs, Mr. Eminem. How you doing, sir? <laughs> what up, Q? What up, Radio World? What's happening, bro? Yeah. And uh, I'll ask you this question, man. I think Ray had a good question with this. 
Uh, how soon in a new relationship do you, you know, after you start having sex, do you come off, Come uh, does the condom come off? How soon? Yeah, uh, I mean, all the way up to marriage or, you well, know, first, I mean, the first I'm, time I'm, you I'm, have sex, second time you have sex? Okay, well, I, I got to, I got to, just answer it on an ignorant, you know, in an ignorant platform because I'm pretty sure most of the answers been, you know, the stuff that you know that makes sense. But, but because a lot of uh, you know black people, especially and poor people, do ignorant stuff, uh, I just put an ignorant spin on it. You know, well, most of my life coming up, you know, the thing was, you know, everything was based on what the woman looked like anyway. So. That's dumb and that's ignorant, but you know, if 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 the chick ain't talking about using nothing, then usually the guy ain't the guy wasn't thinking about it. Usually the guys only thought about using something if they heard something, or you know, if they knew it was the chick passed around, there'd be more precaution. But mm-hmm. if if you if you don't if you think you, you know, you had you 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 going up in something that just everybody hadn't just ran through, usually. You know, uh, and then, like I say, this is from an ignorant standpoint. Uh, usually, there's no precaution, so the condom comes off whenever the girl stops. That don't require it. So whether that's day one or that's day ten, usually the guy ain't caring from an ignorant standpoint. Now, mm-hmm. lo- logically and responsibly, you know, it should be. I think what uh, Crystal was saying, the testing and paperwork and all that. But if that was the case, uh, uh, African-Americans and uh, Latin-Americans and all that would be half the population, at least in the United States. Because, you know, most people are, you know, pretty much careless and ignorant and, um, um, you know, and, and... but I had a like like a just a question maybe for the chat room people, uh, kind of throwing something at the women. You know, what's the purpose of all this precaution when the guys you dating all got like you know multiple kids for multiple women? That's usually a sign there ain't too many condoms being used anyway. So you know, ain't like right. you, it, it, it ain't like you getting pregnant as soon as you. I mean, every chick you hit getting pregnant that night. So that means you ain't this dude ain't using shit anyway. So don't come at me telling me I gotta have all these shots and all this shit. And you know, uh, you know your last cellmate baby daddies. You know, all got like ten kids between them. You know, with different women. So you know, shot low and all his and all his brothers. And That's stuff. even I mean, more reason for her to keep the condom on. Well, well, right. But that's what I'm saying. But see. Well, listen to what I'm saying, though. Don't tell me this shit if you didn't require this shit for all these other dudes. You know, I'm oh, ready you to mean go she has the ten kids? Yeah. I was just saying he had the ten kids. You know, don't don't be selective, you know. Oh, no, nah, if she has them, then, well, maybe she don't want 11. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. At some point, I'm you like, have to stop. Right. He's like, man, I'm ready to raw dog this. To the 850 Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida, where he's no undoubtedly laughing right now. Bring out, bring out the buster. Buck, what's going on, man? What up, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? Doing well. All right, All right Buck. It's 2015, so you got to get this 2015 question. When it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you're transgendered? 
<laughs> you better tell them straight up. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, it's got to the point in 2015 that, you know, now you got these damn doctors out here that have gotten kind of, you know, they're perfecting their craft that you need to ask for a damn birth certificate to mess with some of these younger ones that are, you know, there's, there's a couple of reasons why I don't mess with younger people when it comes, you know, you know, being from, a, you know, in a single perspective because, if I'm messing with an old one for the most part, I know that they're genuine and I don't have to worry about seeing their birth certificate. But if I'm messing with one that's under 30, which that would never happen in the first place, but in the, in, the, in the event that actually not under 32 or 33, but in the event that I did, <laughs> you know, I'm about to see some birth certificates oh, and shit like that because, I mean, I mean it hasn't got to the point now that you just don't know. I mean, we we looking at this Caitlyn Jenner shit and this motherfucker sixty five. So, I mean, you it's getting to the point now where you really got to check and make sure you're dealing with a chick because if you're not dealing with one, and and this is causing some issues for all the straight people. I'm a, I'm gonna take an approach now because if you ain't sure. And you're out there, and you you're out there in the game. You know you you know hollering at different females, and you know whether you're hitting them, hitting them on Facebook or Twitter or in the club or at the bar or whatever. And you don't know, and they look like chicks, and you can't tell because you had some of that act right juice. Then you fucked. When you get to the you know you get to the bedroom, this juggle pull. You, you may know, literally be. Literally, because this motherfucker had his shit turned inside out, <laughs> he may still have his own shit. So. I mean, you really got to kind of be on your P's and Q's about certain things. Not only is it causing a problem as far as that goes, but since people are scared because of those different types of things that's going on right now, then they're staying in relationships that they know don't work because they don't want to make that change because, you know, they'd rather stay in a relationship that does not necessarily work for them, but the person that it doesn't work for them, and even though they know they may be eating or what have you, you don't want to go out there because you don't know what you're getting yourself into outside of this chick because you know the one you with is a chick. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of different variables going on right now that we're we're on unfamiliar territory. So it, it's fucking up the game, so to speak. So you got to really be careful. You can't you, – gone are the days that you getting fucked up and taking somebody home because they may used to be a dude. So you got to really be on top of your shit because otherwise, you know, you may not be a certain way but end up being that way because you're not necessarily knowing what you're dealing with. So you gone are the days of going to the bars and the clubs, in my opinion, and be fucked up because if you are, then – you might be stumbling on one of these transgender type people, and, and stumbling on top of something else. So stumbling on top of something else on top. Crystal, what do you think uh, as far as transgender? How soon they got to reveal that? Well, I hope again that it's a pre-date situation that someone would discuss this. Um, that would cut down on uh, some confusion. Yeah, and I think for guys is what, you know, Buck was talking about. I think uh, it gives a more advantage to being a single mom because if she's a mother, 
those are her kids, then she's not a guy. Because <laughs> transgender, <laughs> they can they can switch, but they can't have any children, so it doesn't right. matter. Um, but I, you know, I think hopefully, you know, what I've found just by you know research and and listening to many interviews and, and documentaries on transgender or people who are you know switch sexes or whatever, I guess that's transgender. Um, mm-hmm. That a lot of them, once they make that change to uh, like you know to a female or whatever or male, they a lot of times they don't discuss it because they feel I am now a woman now, yeah, and that they may not discuss that with every person that they start dating. Um, I don't know, maybe it's in the rule of STD where you would let them know before. They have uh, actual intercourse, but I, I don't see that happening a lot. I, I mean, as far as what I've just what I've been privy to, a lot of times they don't discuss it. They don't say that I once was a man or whatever. They just live their life. Mm-hmm. Like and, um, but I think I think there are some things that are telltale signs, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this person was once a man. I mean, if they have. You know, it's just certain, like, shoulders and um, broadness. But, yeah, I do know that it's... Or if they get a hard-on while you're kissing. That might tell off. That might might tell off on them. Yeah, if they haven't gone through all their operations. I would hope that, especially now with transgender and, and you know, the whole LGBT, whatever, communities coming out now as far as, you know, be more accepting of who they are and everything, that they would um, be around other people who are more accepting also or have mm-hmm. those conversations before they actually had sex, maybe on the mm. first or second date, hopefully the first, but hopefully pre. But, you know, I mean, that could be a very dangerous thing to yeah. to do that, to, to lie about it by omission. You know, to get hurt. Really? Oh yeah, so. I've told the story um, many times about a guy I went to college with who was from Chicago, who was in the Marines, and I think they might have been in Brazil or somewhere. I don't remember where they were, but uh, yeah, he got with someone who was transgendered, and he but he still had all his stuff, and uh, he was the guy was drunk. He was a Marine. He was drunk. Said they. Kissed all night and danced and put passion marks all on each other's necks and everything. And it wasn't until they got up to the room when dude decided to tell him, look, I'm a dude. And, uh, you know, it didn't end well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the guy lived, but, I mean, it didn't end well. He did get thrown out of a hotel window um, into a swimming pool below. Damn. And, uh which dude said he didn't know the pool was out there when he threw him out the window from the third floor. But, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you you don't want to just pop that up on people. You got to let them know from the jump um, because not everyone can handle that, you know. Not a lot of people can handle that. So, all right, um, Ray, when it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you slept with a close friend or maybe even an immediate family member. Oh man, um, so you're talking about a mature relationship versus, you know, high school or college 
Yeah, I yeah, mainly old. older, like, you know, you, you might be late 20s or older. Yeah, I, I, if you're really interested in the person as far as the relationship goes, I think you should let them know off the top because time things start going good for you, you know the other woman going to mess it up for you because that's just how it goes. So I think you should come on out with it because whoever you was messing with, you know, they nothing they like better than to, to put it all out there. So I think you should go ahead and do that first if you're interested in the, the person that you're telling it to. Okay. And, Buck, what do you think? How do you how Sony tell someone you slept with a close friend or maybe even an immediate family member? Well, first of all, you can t- cancel out that immediate family member shit because that ain't happening. But uh, um, I regard the circumstance. But um, as far as you know, you, you know, I'm, I agree with Ray what he says. You know, you need to you know you need to come correct on that because that way it alleviates any of the you know any of bullshit that may you know come up. It's best to just go ahead and just nip that in the bud right off the top, so that way there won't be any issues, you know, when you you know run into a you know, a, you know a friend that you know you used to be close with or something like that. It's best just to go ahead and handle that because if you don't, it could call you know you can definitely have repercussions, you know, because of that. So mm-hmm. best to just go ahead and nip that in the bud. Okay. All right. And um, Crystal. When it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone you're moving to another state on a new job in a year? Well, I guess it depends on how long I want this relationship to last. I mean, <laughs> if I'm moving in a month, then um, and I don't see anything going further than just you know sex. Now it's a year. And I would you're moving in a you year. Know, I'm moving in a year. Yeah. Oh, hey, we probably broke up before then. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even mention it. I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, my relationship's going to last that damn long. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> Who cares? I'm not even thinking That's about it. <laughs> hey, you know, right when I leave. Oh, by the way, I'm going it, to the train station. <laughs> I mean, I don't you need to move to a more warmer climate. That cold climate going to your head, Crystal. <laughs> no, nah, I can imagine Crystal getting somebody. Yeah, can you drop me off at the train station? Yeah, at, the, um, at the airport. And you drop them off, and it's like, oh, by the way. <laughs> I'm never coming back. Heat and hair grease. <laughs> but how long? Oh, man. Oh, I'll call you when I get back. There we go. I'll holler at you. There you Peace. Go. Yeah, I'll call you when I get back. Oh, man. Ray, what do you think, man? If, uh, I mean, how soon do you tell someone that you're accepting, you've accepted a new job and it starts in a year in another state? Um, I mean, if, you, if you're serious with a person, I think you should even told them before you even interviewed or whatever. They can't say tell them what you're thinking about doing. If a person just up and say they want to bounce and they didn't tell you nothing beforehand, then it wasn't really a relationship in the first place. I mean, but you may not have been dating then, you know. 
Oh, well, no, but you let them know what you're thinking about. I mean, to me, when you're dating or yeah. you're going to date, you have to have something, a substance to talk about. Seem like you would anyway. So when somebody say, what do you do or, you know, how long you've been doing this or where have you been doing it at, I think all of that has to come into play anyway. You have to say, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing or I would rather be in this place, not this place. I think all that goes with the conversation. So I don't think you should withhold anything. Okay. And uh, I don't know. I personally want to know, like, up front so I can kind of just determine, you know, how I want the relationship. Because, I mean, if one, if you let someone know up front and it's a year from now, it's a possibility you could develop a relationship with that person to the point to where they move with you. You know, you might be on the verge of marriage. Uh, so, in you know, that might be a situation there. It could be a situation where it's like, okay, well, I realize this is not going to be long-term because I'm not moving, so I can approach this from a short-term perspective and see other people. Um, but I just think you got to give your 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 partner that option to to be able to make the decision on how they want to approach it because they may be like, all right, that's cool. Let's, let's move forward and see where this relationship goes and, um, maybe I'll be going with you if you know not at the same time at some you know some day or something. So I think you gotta let them know. Gotta let them know. All right, a couple more questions. And um, but when it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you don't believe in marriage? Ooh. Well, I mean, I think that's something that really kind of needs to come out. Anytime you have any of these kind of questions that you're asking, I think you need to come out straight out forward and get it out, you know, get it out open because really and truthfully what that does is it kind of gives you an idea of what this person is about and what what you're about. Um, so if you hide these things, say, for example, that all of a sudden y'all go shopping one day and you go by Renee's bridal and she's going ballistic talking about marriage, and you're not thinking about those things, and you have not said anything to them, then, you know, this is where the conflict comes by, comes out, and this is where communication is the key. You need to, you need, these are things that you can't suppress. You can't keep these to yourself because this is how relationships don't last because keep your mouth closed. You need to be out in the open about, you know, anything, you know, these are, you know, serious-ass questions. So, you know, if you pl- you know, you want to marry down the road, not necessarily now, but you want to marry down the road, then these are questions once you get into a relationship and you're steady with this particular person, then you need to ask these questions. If you don't ask these questions and then, you know, y'all go shopping one day and she's seeing this damn wedding dress is $10,000 she wants to get married, but she hadn't said anything and you hadn't said anything either, and y'all hadn't talked about this, then it's going to be kind of fucked up when you get to the house. So I think these are things that you really, you know, once you get serious with somebody, you need to really kind of ask these kind of questions. But me personally, I think you need to kind of figure out who you're dealing with on the front end anyway, you know, before you even get to have to ask some questions. You need to kind of know, you know, 
this is why I say, you know, standard is the standard. You've got to have a standard about yourself and what you like and what's, what you want. So if you, you have a standard about things, then some of these questions are going to, you know, it's going to be pretty easy to answer those questions. All right. And, um, Crystal, I mean, what do you think? How soon do you tell someone that you don't believe in marriage? Um, well, I, I, I definitely agree with what you should have this communication. I, I say definitely as soon as you know that you want to pursue this relationship a little further, those are the kind of questions I ask right on, on the get-go of, in the relationship or even on the first date because I'm asking, are you married? Uh, have you ever been married? And, you know, things like that. And if he comes up with, you know, like, hell no, I'm not married. <laughs> or hmm. never doing that shit again. You know, I mean, whatever. I mean, you can tell by the way he, you know, answers the question. And a lot of times what I've found is that if you ask someone, you know, are they married or, would, you know, have they been married, then they would, you know, they usually would say, what, yeah, they, they were married and, um, your next follow-up question is, you know, you think you'll ever get married again? Or they may even say, uh, but I don't know if I'll go down that road again. I'm not sure. Or, you know, they'll kind of like say that in their answer. Uh, or you can at least tell from their, you know, response, like, you know, next question. <laughs> kind of a thing. Then, you know, okay, we're not looking too good on the commitment thing here, or at least marriage. and and those, and those, you can flush out that question um, or his response in the next date to find out well, what, what did you really mean by that. Take them to, I don't know, pop in a Netflix and chill and put on um, why did I get married and see how he responds to the different uh, situations in there. <laughs> He's like, you know, all these motherfuckers are crazy. That's why I ain't never get married again or why I never married and I don't ever want, you know, people will say it and it'll, it'll come out. You can tell. If it's something that they really want to do. But I always say the nine times out of ten, if someone says, I don't want to get married, I'm not going to get married again, or I don't want to get married, what they're saying is, I don't want to marry you. <laughs> and right. I'm probably never going to marry you. So either way, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm done, or this is now downgraded to casual, and that's the end of it. You know, it's not, I'm not going to waste my time and my emotions, you know, on some guy. So I'm not going to eventually could possibly marry, whether we did or not. I mean, if it's not even open for discussion, then it's just casual. Okay. All right. Good answers, y'all. And we'll go ahead and go to the last one. Um, Ray, when it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you're a felon? Um... I think um as as soon as they ask, if if it's serious now, like I say you're just having a drink and you're trying to take them back to your crib and all that, then obviously not they're not interested in knowing you. But if mm-hmm. they're getting to know you, I think you should, you know, let them know what the situation is, so it doesn't have to come up later. And you know, just whatever it is, you can say, well, it's in the past, not in the past, or this is me, this is how I do things, or whatever, then a person can make up their mind whether they want to deal with you or not. I think that's only fair. Right. Right. Okay. And, but what do you think? 
when it comes to dating, how soon do you tell someone that you're a felon? You better tell them up front because, I mean, that's something that – that's also one of these things that, you know, need to know information. Um, you know, in today's time, you know, just like, I mean, anything else, I mean, you're looking at – I mean, it's, it's, it's really getting kind of tricky in the dating world. And uh, there's a lot of different information that you've got to ask now. I mean, I think you have to ask more questions now than you ever have um, with the diseases that's out there, STDs, the, you know, your jail record and all this other stuff and making sure you're a damn woman or a man or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different questions you've got to ask. I mean, it ain't like the good old days like Eminem was saying where you just, you know, you look at the damn female and that's it. You know, that's coming from the, you know, coming from, you know, just the perspective of kind of some, somewhat of how, you know, it was in the black community. You just, whoever the better-looking chick was and, you, and they look clean or whatever, you mess with them. It's, you know, now you can't do that no more. You really couldn't do it then, but especially now because you got to make sure you know what you did with. So you don't want to necessarily, you know, depending on what type of felon this rascal is, you don't necessarily want to mess with them. I wouldn't mess with a felon anyway, but. You know, there's an exception to every rule, but at the same time, you know, you need these are need to know, you know, need to know answers that you know you got to ask them. And if they felons, then that's going to dictate whether that goes any further or not, and that's also going to dictate whether you deal, you know, you know, and if you do deal with them, um, it's going to, you know, whether you bring them to your house or whether you go to their house and hang out or whatever. So I mean, there's a lot of different variables involved. So. That's something that you need to bust out ASAP, not after you've dated them, you know, three or four weeks or something. You need to tell that up front. Okay, okay. Good response, sir. Crystal, what do you think? How soon do you tell someone that you're a felon? Uh, this is almost up there with transgender. They probably won't tell you until they have to or something. Um I I would hope, uh, you know, right away, <laughs> or at least in the second date or first and second date. I mean, uh, because it affects so many parts of their life. And they're selling. I mean, there's things they cannot do, or, or it's very hard for them to do regarding just living their life as a job or, you know, whatever. So, and then that would, of course, affect you if you continue to be around them and want a, a long-term relationship. So hopefully a person would kind of give that information, like, where have you been for the last 10 years? <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> hmm. I mean, yeah, right. ask those kinds of questions and kind of, you know, flesh it, flesh it out, and, you know. I think that um, I would I would just speculate to think that a lot of times that conversation does not even come up um, unless right. it's obvious. You know, someone you already knew or you knew of or you, you met them in the penal system somehow, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> well, it could be. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, you have it could be. Say, I don't work uh, But sometimes people will tell you. But, you know. Uh-huh. I think it's difficult because um, when you reveal that, you're also revealing, like you said, there's certain rights you may not have regarding firearms or voting or just whatever. It's going to be hard to get a job, all that stuff. And that can change the mind of some people, you know. 
But uh, as far as when you tell, I'm thinking you guys say early on within the first three to about three dates or so, maybe it's something you reveal. I don't know. Um, this depends on how much conversation you have. You get the opportunity to say before the first date, and then you might want to try it then. But um, it's a very serious topic, and even though you may not do anything going forward, you want your mate to know because there's certain limitations that come with that status. All right. Um, let's see. On tomorrow's show, we'll, we'll discuss our military veterans. What you know do we do for them when they return from war? How do we help them get a, you know assimilate back into a society? That's going to be on tomorrow's Talk to Cube radio show. No experts, just opinions at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's tomorrow, November the 11th. All right. Um, final thoughts, and we're going to final thoughts, and after that we'll get into a little zone coverage. And, Crystal, I want you to hang on for zone coverage again because I have a topic that you may be interested in that I would like to include you in, and I'm always trying to trick you into being a part of zone coverage. So um, I have another tactic to deploy. But we'll go ahead and do our final thoughts. And, Chris, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, luring me into the web of lies. Well, as far as I, I guess, it's well, one of the things I can say about tonight that I learned is that uh, luckily uh, Ray's already married, luckily for the rest of us uh, with females out there, because Ray is not going to tell you anything And I think that I think that a lot of men are like that actually And that's why um, I really feel that You should ask those questions I mean you've got to Especially the ones that are truly important to you Um, Of course you want to get out You know if they're really single And I always say ask specifically Because men will trick your ass Later you know, the first thing they'll say is, well, you never asked me if I was married. You never, you never asked that. Or, right. you know, you never asked these kinds of things, so therefore I'm not going to tell you. So you're, you know, you're looking stupid, you know, months down the road, and then you realize, you know, where his wife and all these kids come from, and, you know, you're like, well, they've been at home with him the whole time. You never asked. So you have to ask these questions immediately. And sometimes they do have to be that blunt. Like, are you married? No. Yeah. Are yes you no living answer. with someone? I mean, it has to be very specific. And then yeah, there's some I of the things that. that we forget about later as we're dating that you don't even inquire about. Like we were talking about a few weeks ago, that you're sexual. Are you a freak? Are you not a freak? What do you get into? Hmm. What do you don't get into? And then religion. I mean, is that important to you? Is it not? I mean, those things will affect especially a long-term relationship. And no one asks those questions until it's staring you in the face. And now you're already in a relationship with this person. Now you you have to figure out, am I going to deal with it? Or you know, so if you just ask or pay attention, a lot of times mm-hmm. people just don't pay attention to the person that they're dating because they're too busy in la la land and all in love and shit. And then all of a sudden you're in the middle of this bullshit with some idiot you didn't even know. You still don't yeah. know because you don't you know you're not asking the right questions. So. Communication is key. Definitely ask the right questions, no matter what the answer, because it's best to walk away early than to be in the middle of some love situation where you're 
walking down the aisle with somebody you don't even know. All right. But very good. good. As always. Thank you very much. And I'm cracking up what you said about Rabbit Ray. Like, man, some stuff Amanda still don't know about me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never asked. <laughs> Ray, Ray, like, I got a whole other family in Houston. Nah, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I think a lot of people don't know what questions to ask. And, you know, maybe this show can help them. There are some things that people just don't think about asking. No one's going to really think about asking someone if they're a felon. You know, or I mean, and maybe you don't come out directly and ask, but you got to take the conversation somewhere to try to figure it out. Because when we go back to question number, what was it, number two or number three, when it's like, um, how soon do you tell someone you're unemployed? That selling might be tied into that, you know. So you got to ask these 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 questions and figure out what's going on with people. But uh, thanks for that, Crystal and. Ray, go ahead, man. Your final thoughts. Yeah, um, great show, man. I, I don't. I didn't mean to make it sound like you know I went not uh, disclose <laughs> anything. It's just that you know whatever the topic comes up, then you know we we talk about it. But a person can only ask the question if it's important to them. If it's not important to them, they won't ask the question. So I always think that you know. It's always good to ask questions. A lot of people just want to jump in with sex and all that. I don't think you should go that route, particularly if you're dating in the town that you have family in and stuff like that, because if you don't talk, you don't know that somebody with a last name like Jackson or Jones, they might be some of your people, you know, Mm. if you don't talk. That's why you have to ask questions. You know, I never went into a situation looking to, you know, knock something out on the first night because, you know, you don't know who you're dealing with. Then we got a transgender thing where everybody said, oh, you know, they don't know about this, don't know about that. But it seems like, you know, something that's going to give away that that's not all female there. You know, the show is going to be a little strong, a jawline or something. It's not going to be to the point that, you know, I mean, these Spanish women, they can they could fool you, but for the most part, you know, you should get to know a person a little bit. Uh, you know, I just think it's just straight up dangerous to not tell a person that you used to be this and used to be that, particularly if you hadn't got all your surgery. That's very dangerous, and that's very um, deceiving. So mm-hmm. I don't think a person should do that. But with any relationship, I think you should start off asking a lot of questions. When you ask questions, that shows that you're interested. And if you're interested and the feeling is mutual, you don't mind answering those questions. So I think um, it's cool when you get two people asking each other questions. Night goes by faster, the food tastes better, and you have a much Mm. better date. So. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, great topic. Look forward to the next one. All right. Thank you, sir. And Buck, shut it down. Man, great show tonight. I mean, I know I got on a little bit late, but I mean, I think the instance of, you know, the show tonight, I mean, you you got to ask the questions, you, you know, communicate with the person that you're, you know, you're dealing with. You know, first of all, and a lot of people miss this, 
there's a standard that you have to have. You know what you like. Nobody else knows what you like, whether they be fat, skinny, you know, whatever nationality and ethnicity that you're look that you're interested in. You know what you like. So, first of all, if you know what you like, then that should you know that should alleviate at least some of the knuckleheads that you run into. And then from that aspect, you got to just simply ask questions and find out what's going on. You know, if you're a freak, then you don't want to mess with somebody that's a non-freak. You know, you want to make sure that you have, <laughs> you got to have a, if you're a freak, then you want to mess with a freak. You know, so those are the kind of things that you need to, you know, you need to ask these questions up front and be up front about those things. If you're not up front about them, then you end up, at, you know, you end up, uh, you know, messing up a lot of the relationship, especially, you know, you're looking for something long-term. I mean, I think it's important that you ask questions and finding out, you know, what that person likes, what you like, and, and find common ground. But you're not going to find common ground when you don't ask questions and you keep your mouth shut. So I think it's very important for you to do that. So I think I think everybody's expressed, you know, expressed that in some shape or form, regardless of, you know, whether they're married or single or whatever. I think communication is very, very important. So, um, and... You know, to me, also, I'm. You know, I do put an age range on on the, on that kind of, kind of thing as well because, you know, in today's time, you got to be sure. But that's not that's not a guarantee either. So that's why you got to open your damn mouth. And I don't think you need to be buzzing, messing with somebody. I think you need to kind of have your faculties about you because it's too much going on right now. It's too much created out there. So if you are single, then you need to kind of keep your wits about you and be sober and not drunk or high or whatever you you get into. So you need to keep your wits about you and know what's going on. So you keep those keep those things in mind then you should be all right. If you don't and you don't ask no questions, then you might be running up on one of these transgenders or something else entirely. So great show as always. Looking forward to some zone coverage. Everybody have a great night. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Very good. All right, my thanks to crystalhickerson.com for being my official sponsor. Thanks to Chris Katzal, anytimevoice.com, my Hebrew roots.net, and you can check Chris out at thetrying.net. The show can be heard live every Tuesday and Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. I do have a special zone coverage show coming up next Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern on um, November 19th, and it will be live. I'll be joined by a special guest for that one. So go to TalkToQ.com and sign up for my newsletter so you can be alerted of who's coming on 11-19. For everyone not into sports, peace out. To everyone else, stay tuned for some zone coverage. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World?
you kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Be a dog. We don't need no cows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? Coverage on T2Q. We talk about sports, mainly football. You know how we cover it, sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone. You know what? There's a there's a, a sample that I need to add that I don't know how I didn't think to add it. I got to get Joe Namath on here when he was trying to kiss Susie Culver. I need to get that in here somewhere. All right. Uh, let's see. If Crystal Ray Buck. I want to talk about... Um, what happened at the University of Missouri? Are, y- are y'all still there? Hello? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. All right. 32, 32 black football players at the University of Missouri band together and decided to boycott playing games in order to get the resignation of school president Tim Wolf. Now, tension had been high on campus since the start of the school year um, with the student association president, Peyton Head, who is black, he was racially abused while he was out walking. And in October, the N-word was used at a play put on by black students at one of their rehearsals. Uh, late October, someone smeared feces on the wall of the of a dormitory in the shape of a swastika. Uh, now, a graduate student by the name of Jonathan Butler decided to go on a hunger strike last Monday uh, until the school addressed the incidents. The football players got word of this and sent the following message. Quote, the athletes of color on the University of Missouri football team truly believe injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We will no longer participate in any football-related activities until President Tim Wolf resigns or is removed due to his negligence towards marginalized students' experiences. We are united. End quote. Now, football has contributed more than $35 million in revenue at Missouri in recent years, Uh, so it's a big moneymaker. The school is 8% black, but makes up more than 50% of the football team. So they gave a list of eight demands to the school, and I've, I've heard that they just may get all of them, from increasing the number of black faculty members from 10%, uh, by 10%, to a 10-year plan to develop a more diverse curriculum. So, having heard all of this about how these guys put their scholarships on the line to try to get something to happen, because President Tim Wolf did resign yesterday. Um, Crystal, I'll start with you. How proud of you of these athletes for doing what was very common on college campuses at one time? Um, or do you not feel proud? I mean, how, how do you feel about it? Well, you know, I'm, I do feel proud. I feel proud of the fact that any um, students can band together and get their voices heard. Um, and something like this where um, they understood their power um, as far as understanding that 
uh, the, the football team, and you know, it, you know, without them on it, that it couldn't run. And you know, I, I'm, and I, I, you know, always feel good when young people, old people, whoever decides that they're going to stand up for what they believe in. And so, no, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful thing. Okay. And Ray, how do you feel about it? Um, you know, I, I had heard something happen, and I know the president had resigned, but I didn't know exactly what. Well, I mean, it, it's one of the things that, you know, I, I don't think that you should put your scholarship on the line, but at the same time, if you don't agree with what's going on at school and you were paying for school, then I think you should be able to voice your opinion. But if you're on scholarship, you know, if you don't like what's happening, nobody forces you to come to school. So you can you can leave if you don't like what's happening. But to force people out and stuff like that, I don't know if that's what they should have did. Maybe I need to hear more about it. But at the same time, you know, the football team is, is a family. And when you walk out on the team, you walk down on your family. So I don't think that that's the way they should have handled it. Although they got the results that they wanted, you know, I don't think that you should mix sports and politics together. You know, if you want to use your voice, that's one thing. But to try to strong on school and doing certain things and all that, I don't think they should have went about it like that. Okay. Buck, how do you feel? You know, it's actually refreshing to see that um that, you know, somebody young, you know, took a stand and did something, you know, of this magnitude. For you know, we we all often question the uh younger youth in, in some of the choices that they make. And this I think this was something that was needed. Um obviously there's a lot of problems in Missouri, um, from a racial standpoint. And sometimes you just got to make a stand. And I think he, you know, decided to make a stand, make a stand, and made it happen. And you know, they got the got the results that they were looking for. Um, it may be a little bit unorthodox by some some standards, but I think this was something that was definitely needed. It was, you know, it, it needed to happen because, I mean, there's obviously there is a lot of tension in that state, and you know, Missouri does. You know, the football team does kind of, you know, signify a lot of what, you know, a lot of what the state is having to go through as well as from a racial standpoint. So with all that being said, you know, and this student taking a stand and then the football team deciding to do the same thing, I think this is excellent. I mean, it needed to happen. And, you know, maybe that's what it takes sometimes to get, faculty and upper management and things of that nature to, you know, recognize that there's an issue. Far too long in this country that, you know, we let things just fall by the wayside. I mean, Martin Luther King decided, you know, he he said, you know, he had a dream and, you know, we need to fight for these things. Nobody's picked up the torch. And this this is somebody deciding to pick up a torch and, you know, carrying on a legacy. And I think that's something that needed to happen in Missouri, and it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. So if more of us would kind of do some of these type of things and stand up for what you believe in, 
It works. And this is the incident where it works. All right. Well, I mean, this is how I feel. I feel like everyone that was on the L.A. Clippers team back when Donald Sterling um, got, you know, busted for the little racial remarks that he was making, all those guys that decided to turn their jerseys inside out should take a look at these kids. Um, these kids believed in something so strongly that they put their scholarships on the line to try to promote change. Now, they knew there was no way uh, that they could really get the attention, uh, no way better to get the attention of the school that you threaten their revenue, all right, because money makes people pay attention. Now, these guys, these 32 black football players, probably get treated better than any people on the campus because we know athletes, you know, you to get pretty good treatment. So they probably never, you know, got called any names. They probably never got made fun of or anything, but they thought enough of this brother – Jonathan Butler, who was, I think, on the sixth day of his hunger strike, um, to say, you know what, you know, um, we're going to do it for not just him, but everyone else who gets mistreated, you know. So, you know, you're talking about the haves doing something for the have-nots, all right. So I applaud them for that as well. I applaud the coach, who is white, Gary Pinkle, for standing beside his team because when he got asked about this and you would think most coaches would discourage his kids from getting involved and all this stuff. He says, you know what? I'm with my players. My players came to me. He says some of them were in tears because of, you know, this guy basically killing himself on a hunger strike, um, trying to promote change. And he said, you know, yeah, I'm going to stick with my players. These are guys that I recruited that I brought here and said I was going to take care of. So I'm going to roll with them. And, you know, he because he said he didn't necessarily want anyone to lose their job, but he said that when it comes down to it, he has to support his players. So it seemed like everything worked out to perfection to get something accomplished for um, removing a president who didn't seem like he was very sympathetic to some of the racial concerns that had happened on the campus. And I just think it's, like I said, a good thing. I think that um, – yeah, it's a possibility they could have lost their scholarship and, you know, been removed from from college and, you know, had to go somewhere else. But to me, that's what makes it so courageous. Okay, this is the type of stuff you give the Arthur Ashe Award for, all right, when someone puts their education essentially on the line to make everything a better place. And, I mean, I, I just think they should be commended. I think they should be applauded. And I just think other people should take a lesson on what you can accomplish if you decide to stick together. You know, all it takes is sticking together. If everyone just bands together, you can make anything happen. You can promote any type of change. And, now, Crystal, going back to you, I mean, do you think you may see this occur on other campuses now that this has happened? Do you think there are other causes out there that maybe could be changed with similar efforts, like maybe removal of like Confederate flags in some city, in some states, or something like that? 
You know, well, always, you, you know. You think you won't see this again? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, because, you know, each situation is different. I mean, one thing may affect what they did, obviously, was something that they could do as a unified group. And because of that, you know, things were changed. But also, you know, you had to look at the the other side of it, um, you know, the school board saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make this decision. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it may not work in every situation or in for every cause. Um, but the point is that you do something, you know, um, because some a lot of times people get discouraged because, yeah, they try to do something, but nothing changed. But at least you brought some sort of awareness to that it's happening because that awareness will set a precedent for the next thing to say that, okay, this is happening here, but it's also happening here, you know, and then you can bring more and more awareness to something. So um, I think maybe what it will do is let young people know that their voices can be heard if they are unified and they, you know, stand their ground regarding what they uh what they're trying to accomplish if it's something that's of course positive for everyone. And it can't just be out of anger or out of whatever. It has to be out of some sort of cause that is really going to change something. So that's the point I think they were trying to make and hopefully the younger children will be able to take that example of just standing up for your beliefs. And they're right. Okay. And Ray, prior to hear, prior to hearing this story, would you ever imagine thirty plus black kids kids sticking together on something like this and risking their scholarships to try to promote change? Oh uh, no, not not in this day and age. No, and I mean. You know, like I say, it's always good when people can stick together and accomplish something. But a lot of it, when people are are sticking together, to me, they want to come together for one cause, but then they won't come together for the main cause. It's like you have a lot of Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, which is all valid, but at the same time, when we killing each other, we don't want to stand up like that. We don't want to march like that. We don't mm-hmm. want to go confront the people that's doing all this like that. And see, to me, we look to other races to straighten out our messes. And then we start talking about, well, this is unfair, that's unfair. Well, these other people, whether it be white or whoever's in charge, don't want to respect what you're saying because they're looking at the same situation, and you're not doing anything about that. You know, it ain't nothing worse than somebody that can't control their own people. You see what I mean? You're looking for other people to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And you need to be getting together with all the people in your community and then say, well, listen, we want to be productive citizens. We're not committing crimes. Everybody is, is is keeping their community clean. Now we come to you with this. Why are you treating us this way? Why are the police doing this? Why is this happening? 
But if you're not presenting something that they can take seriously, no result is going to happen. At least mm-hmm. these guys did present it in a way that they had to be taken seriously. I don't necessarily agree what's trying to scroll on the school, and I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what is all the, the tension about that was going on on campus that they couldn't really deal with because guys will say that, but then you look around, everybody has a girlfriend or something of a different race. So it seems like y'all getting along pretty well. You know what I'm saying? I take I take it there. You know what I'm saying? But I understand what they want to do for other people on campus. Mm-hmm. But when you when you may be the first guy to go to school in your family, or you got a scholarship worth X amount of dollars, a lot of people would love to be in your place, and for you to put all that at risk for basically for other people. That's a lot to ask because, like you say, the athletes get treated very well. Yeah. You know, they don't have these issues. So, you know, if good change comes about, but I don't recommend this for every campus that has issues or every job that has issues. You know, like I say, being black ain't never going to be like being white, not, not in our lifetime. You know, so any change is 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 good change, but we gotta change ourselves at the same time. Okay, and you're right; it's not gonna be a happy ending at every at every campus, for sure. I mean, this worked out to perfection, but I think they had all their, um, they were all had, you know had all the eyes dotted and the t's crossed because not only did they hit them in the wallet as far as you know the potential forfeiture of, of an SEC football game, um, you also had a list of demands. You know, you're not just doing it just to be doing it, saying um, I'm mad because I'm black and we're not being treated right. They had a list of, you know, why they were upset, and they had a list of what they wanted to do to try to fix it. And I, I thought that they were very well organized, and to me that's what the essence of a college campus was at one point. And um but, uh, my my so, question is though, why is that all the president's fault? Um, the reason it was the president and I think it was someone else involved, but there were two people I remember hearing mentioned that they addressed the problems with and they never did anything about it. They never made an attempt to try to investigate or try to correct or anything like that. So that's why they were like, well, since you won't do anything about it, we'll get rid of you and find somebody who will. Um, because it just really became, really got put over the top when they uh, they put the, the feces on the wall of the dormitory in the form of a swastika. That's just when it just, I guess, became really over the top. Oh, okay. So that's probably why the change got me, because, you know, that's power there. So, but yeah, but I think, um, you know, I mean, it, it, it is a big risk to do stuff like that. But when you consider what's happened in history, I mean, the only reason any of us are where we are today is because someone took a risk, you know, going back to, you know, the days of Harry Belafonte putting his 
acting and singing career on you know on the line, and you know further back then people putting their their life on the line uh, just so we can have certain freedoms that we have today that we like take for granted. But um, but what could I mean? Is there anything that people could do? outside of college to drive change in our communities? I mean, this was easy because they were able to use football as a way of, you know, forcing someone's hand because it's not like they can really take their time on this because there's a game Saturday, you know, so it's not like they had the time to drag their feet. Um, but outside of sports or outside of a college campus, could this um, work? Could people boycott something enough to force change. I think so. I mean, I think for we we've kind of taken a uh, an approach where we just don't care anymore and we don't stand up for what we believe in. I think you need to stand up for what you believe in. If you believe you can, you know, you believe in something, you need to stand up for it. And you know, this was a a a prime example of standing up for what you believe in and then other people join in. I think if we start doing it like that and do it from a peaceful standpoint where you don't take a no-nonsense approach and just say, hey, this is how we're going to handle it, and that's it. You know, you don't have to do it with violence. You have, you know, if you just stand your ground and just, you know, stand up for what you believe in. And if you stand up for what you believe in and then other people, follow, you know, they follow your lead, I think we'll get more done in this country. I mean, and you know, and... It doesn't necessarily have to be on a college campus. I mean, this is everyday society that we can do this. It's just that for, you know, in the we just take the black community, for example. When you're in the black community, people don't stand up for themselves, and they just let shit happen. You know, they know people, you know, they know people, black on black crime happens. You know, they fighting and killing each other with dice games and wishbones and stupid shit like that. But when you're not in those neighborhoods, people stand up for you. I mean, your next-door neighbors... You know, they look out for you. You go out of town, they look out for you, and things of that nature. So we need to kind of take that approach about everything that we deal with in everyday life. And if we do those kind of things, then I think we'll get a whole lot more accomplished. Okay. All right. And, Crystal, do you want one more remark on this before I um, get into some football? Do I know? I was asking Crystal. She wanted one more remark before we get into some football. I think you already know the answer to that question. Crystal? She might be already gone. She's on the line. Bueller. Bueller. All right. Well, um, again, you know, I just want to say that, you know, I'm I'm proud of those guys. They did something that a lot of people wouldn't do. And, uh, you know, they got some results. We'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens going forward. If anyone else, you know, decides to, to do something, if they, if they, if anyone else does decide to take this route, I hope it is for a worthy cause. I don't want it to be over no foolishness, you know, well, we, we, cause you know, the, the one thing that everybody says is going to happen that, they're going to boycott until they start paying the af- the players, paying athletes and everything. And that's something that I can see happening. I can see some guys saying, hey, we ain't playing another game until you start paying us, you know. 
And I mean, I think at some point that could be a thought, but uh, I mean, to me, the essence of college campus is to learn a lot about yourself, learn a lot about others, and if you can't state your opinions there, then where else could you state them? All right, so we'll move on uh, and start talking some sports, and Crystal, I appreciate you chiming in. I hope you have a good evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. But first game, we'll go ahead and start with this Raiders and Steelers game. And when I go back and look at the scores from last week, Daddy Rich had Pittsburgh winning 20-7. to Buck had Pittsburgh winning 35-14. Uh, Ray had Oakland winning 34-31. I had Pittsburgh winning 24-20. Uh, but Buck... Uh, as you can see, the Raiders are a little tougher than what you imagine, huh? Yeah, I didn't mean to break that. Uh, I remember I called, remember calling you. I'm going. I didn't mean to make that score that big because I only said a touchdown, but I think I was. But then I ended up saying like two or three touchdowns. But I knew the Raiders. I mean, you got you know Jack Del Rio over there, and you know if you play a Jack Del Rio type team, he's going to bring a certain. Persona, you know, he's going to bring a little bit of toughness to the team. This is the best the Raiders have looked in many years. And uh, it was really, really exciting. Um, you know, we had a few Raider fans in the stadium, so, you know, they had their Raider Nation uh, things going, you know, flying in the stadium. Um, it was one of those, you know, it, it kind of gave you a throwback to the 70s a little bit. This was a very, very brutal game. Um, a lot of big hits. Um a, a lot of trash talk and a lot of, you know, extracurricular activity after the, after the uh, game. I even called Ray after the game, and I said, this is a game that you really want to see a second time because, I mean, it was really, to me, it was the game of the week, the weekend. I mean, it was it was back and forth. Um, the defense really didn't do that much. It was just an offensive, you know, offensive-type game. And, I mean, even though Big Ben went down, you know, we were still able to, you know, Achieve, you know, achieve the victory. But this is even if we would have lost the game, this is a game you really can't be mad at. You know, you can be mad as far as your defense letting the other team score thirty-five points. But at the same time, it was a really good game to watch. And uh, you know, the referees didn't get too too involved with it for the most part. It was just a really, really well executed game as a whole. And uh, at, you know. It also shows a couple of things. I mean, the Raiders are going to be one of those teams that might finish second in the division um, simply because, you know, Denver is kind of like they're not as good as everybody thinks they are. Um, we know San Diego ain't doing that well, so Kansas City isn't either. So the Raiders are, are really looking good. They got a, they have a good young nucleus of players that are really playing strong. And they got – I mean, they they're, you got to, you got to come play when you play the Raiders. Um, but other than that, I mean, our defense got – we still got some issues in the secondary. We still got some issues at the defensive line that we got to clean up. But for the most part, I mean, we, we executed when we needed to execute. We made them cough up the ball when we needed to make them cough up the ball. And, you know, we did the things we needed to do to, to secure a victory and, you know, get out of the stadium with a victory. So, But, like I said, even if we would have lost – I, you know, I still think we played a good enough game, but 
we, we it also showed us that we need to kind of shore up some things too. So we had the midseason point, and you know, to be where we are right now, especially with all the injuries we got, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. So um, we just have to get ready for Cleveland next week. It's, that's not going to be an easy game either. But the Raiders are definitely a team that you know I think they might make the playoffs, and I said that earlier this year, and I really think. I think the Raiders are going to be a team that we might see again. And, uh, I mean, if you would have asked me, um, or told me that uh, Antonio Brown was going to have 284 yards receiving and D'Angelo Williams 70 yards rushing, I would have told you the Steelers are probably going to win by four touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, Antonio Brown was unstoppable in the first half. Um, But, I mean, you look at Michael Crabtree and what he did, Ray, you have to be happy. Seven catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper did his thing, seven seven catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Latavius Murray was on his way to 100 yards before he got hurt. Um, And Derek Carr had another good game, 300 yards and four touchdowns. You have to be happy, even though you all came up short in this one, right? Oh uh, yeah, man, it was it was a, it was a uh, it was a great game. Like Buck say, man, it was a, it was a classic. You know, went back and forth. You know, both teams played well, but we had some mishaps on defense as well as they had some mishaps on defense, and um, you know. We gonna have to correct that through maybe the draft or, you know, free agency or something like that. This year it ain't too much we could do about it. Uh-huh. But um, we 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 played well. I mean, I was proud of the way we hung in there and we fought. You know, we made some mistakes as well as they made some mistakes. But overall, it was just a it was just an excellent game, and it's good to see us go out there on the road and, and, and just really give the Steelers all they can handle. I mean, on under normal circumstances, I believe if we was playing at home, we probably would have won the game. And, you know, anytime you have D'Angelo Williams in 170 yards and 50, 55 yards receiving to go on top of that 170 rushing, and mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, as good as he is, He's not going to catch 17 and, and 284, you know, every week. So, you know, if them guys just had a, a, a good game, we win the game. So, yeah. you know, they really gave us all they had. So, you know, I, I like the way we played. I think we we improving. I think we starting to get respect around the league. I mean, last week they had us ranked number 10. You know, I can't remember when the last time I saw that. Maybe back when um, <laughs> Jerry Rice and Tim Brown were playing. Yeah, yeah, back then when we had um, damn, I can't even think of what um our quarterback name was. Rich now. Gannon. Yeah, Rich Gannon, and um, you know, it's just just a whole different situation. I mean, we. It's rough because we lost, we lost, but um, yeah, we got Minnesota this week, so we just gotta c- continue with the improve improvement and 
you know, I think we got a good nucleus, you know. Mm-hmm. Crabtree, he's playing well. Of course, he's playing for a contract, but he's playing well. Mm-hmm. You know, then you got Cooper there. And I and and I believe you know we really made the right decision with Cooper because we could have went with Leonard Williams or something like that and you know I think we made the right decision and uh, you know you put them guys out there together along with Latavius Murray you just need to learn some more things holding on to the ball and stuff like that I think he he's gonna be all right in the long run yeah but uh it was it was an excellent game. So, you know, my hat goes off to the Steelers because that's the best game I've seen the Steelers play all year, you know. Okay. And uh, it was a good game. I I enjoyed checking it out. And uh, nice to see those teams matter. And, uh, you know, maybe it it will be another matchup in the playoffs if you're lucky. But uh, right now the Steelers are at 5-4 and and still – um, three and a half games behind Cincinnati, and the Raiders are four and four, and they're three games behind Denver. So, um, but they're still in the wild card hunt at, at four and four right now. So that's a good thing for them. All right, move on to a game I had interest in, and that was Philly and Dallas. Philly got got out of Dallas with a thirty-three twenty-seven victory. I was kind of surprised it was that high scoring. I had, uh, I think I said last week, the score I had was 16 to 10 Philly. So um, I got the six point victory right, but it's just a little high scoring. Uh, man, this game, for the most part, I mean, it was close, but I don't necessarily mean it was good. Uh, the second half was pretty interesting. As far as what Dallas had going on, uh, I mean, they ran the ball fairly well, but Philly did a better job running the ball. And Philly just made the plays. Um, The pick six that Matt Castle threw really turned the game around. Uh, Anytime a linebacker can break on a ball for a pick six, that lets you know you broadcasted that pass. And he looked at McFadden all the way down on a little out pattern, and he just threw it right to the – he knew a little – I mean, it was horrible. Um, But – the good side as far the good part of the game is that Matt Castle did get the ball downfield. Uh he was twenty five of thirty eight for two ninety nine and three touchdowns in that horrible interception. He had a uh, Des Bryant made a great play on a pass in the end zone, um where he just out jumped everybody and came down with the ball. He finished with five catches for hundred and four yards and a touchdown. Cole Beasley played the role of Jason Whitten and bailed him out on third downs fans with over 100 yards rushing. I mean, 100 yards receiving. So, overall, I was pretty happy with the performance of the offense, but the defense, man, they got to tighten up. Sean Lee got hurt again. I'm going to put Sean Lee a Derrick Rose jersey because I, I promise you he's, he's leading that type of career right now. Um, and I, I'm wondering if he's going to play beyond this year. He's like the type of person that might end up retiring because every time he gets hit, he's you know, having concussion protocols going on. And he got hurt, and then his backup, Anthony Hitchens, got hurt, and this makes things just so difficult on the middle linebackers to have that type of um, absence as far as talent is concerned. But uh, 
did anyone see the game and want to comment on it? I thought Philly's game plan, um, it worked. But I still don't like the hurry of offense, and I thought it was going to come back to bite them. Um, but they did get the Cowboys tired on defense, and I think that's part of the reason why Philly was able to have success in the second half. Well, actually, I think they had success in the first half. I mean, there was a couple of times where Philadelphia had to hurry up offense going on, and they were actually tired and huffing and puffing. I mean, it was it was a very unorthodox offense that Philadelphia runs. But when they run it, man, they wear defenses out. And, you know, I'm going to take this from a stealing approach. You know, you got to be highly conditioned. And, I, I mean, I know you all have a lot of injuries like we do and a lot of starters out. And some of those starters, that, some of those guys that are filling in these holes for Dallas, they're not highly conditioned because, I mean, you can't be in the first half with your hands on your hips, you know, because you, and you can't switch out and all those kind of things. And that's all I saw. I mean, those guys were – y'all got to get a different strength and condi- conditioning coach because well, – they, they, they can't come out the game. There's nobody behind them. They got the play. They got the play. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is where you have to get your body in, you know, body in the the right conditioning. And, you know, it was hot in Dallas, you know, even though you had a few sprinkles during the game. But, I mean, you got to to get yourself in gear when you got one of these high-powered offenses. I mean, if you're playing New England or somebody like that that, you know, does hurry up offense on top of it, I mean, you they have a little bit more time possession. But, I mean, the Eagles, I mean, their time, I think the Eagles have the lowest time possession in the National Football League. I think they're ranked yeah, 31st. by far. Like, by far. Because I mean, they don't hold the ball very long. So, I mean, they just march the ball down your throat and score. And then, you know, that, whether they have a, the length of the field or half the field or started the 20-yard line. So, that's something that you have to prepare for during the week or at least in preparation, you know, since you play these guys twice a year. You got to do that. You got to get yourself up for that because that's one of, you know, the Chip Kelly, you know, offense. So it was really kind of bizarre to see those guys with their hands on the hips, you know, in the first quarter when they were doing hurry-up offense. So it's something that y'all got to kind of change up, you know, as y'all play throughout the rest of the season and even during the off season, I mean, to get prepared because it's 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 a strange offense to run up, you know, to play against. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything Dallas needs to change. I mean, they did beat them the first time they played, and um, the difference in this game was a pick six. Uh, so I, I think, you know, Dallas had the right game plan. They controlled the clock and everything. But uh, with that overtime, I mean, that definitely didn't help playing that extra quarter and having to stay out there um, on defense, especially when you had, like I said, your first linebackers are hurt. I mean, you got um, a third stringer in there you haven't relied on with no depth whatsoever. So they they definitely have a, a lot of work to do as far as maybe trying to get some people out there who are less injury prone, if anything. And that's part of strength and conditioning, too. But, I mean, as far as head injuries, ain't really anything you can do to strengthen a head injury. I mean, Sean Lee is what he is. He's great when he's out there. But when he's not out there, uh, you can see the difference for sure. All right. uh, Let's hit these undefeated teams and let's see, talk about 
Carolina and Green Bay. And Ray, Carolina to me is the most, you know, disrespected undefeated team out of the bunch. And you would think that they, you know, earned a lot of respect the way they handled the Packers on Sunday, but there's still some people who just really aren't sold on Carolina. I mean, are you sold on Carolina possibly being a team that can contend for the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, the reason why I picked Carolina, not that I picked them at the beginning of the season or nothing like that, it's just the reason why I think they can go all the way is they have an awesome defense. I think they have a head coach that doesn't mind taking chances. And, you know, Cam Newton, as long as he plays the way he's been playing, I would say he's playing under control, but that don't appear to be the right word for it. You know, because he kind of, you know, is reckless. But he's winning like that. And as long as you're winning, that's what counts. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I look at these guys' defense, and they have, you know, enough offense to go along with that. So, and they don't have no major, really, stars on offense. So, I, I think they're accomplishing a lot. I don't see... Nobody out there that can beat them. I mean, once you once you play the top teams and you you beat them all, sooner or later they got to give you some credit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might be good that I, I get credit. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like uh, I like taking them overall. Carolina could get to win it all, in my opinion. Okay, and. Buck, on the first side, should Green Bay start to panic? I don't think they need to panic, but, I mean, the things that the Green Bay Packers need to fix are pretty easy to fix. Um, you know, that was a just a mental mistake that, you know, Aaron Rodgers made on that last, you know, on that last interception he threw um, because he had a wide-open Randall Cobb. Um, but – there's some other things that Green Bay needs to change, and I'm going to say on the defensive side of the ball is where they have to make the changes. Not necessarily, they do need to make some changes on the offense, um, on how some of the receivers make make breaks so they can get separation uh, from the defensive backs. But I think the one person they don't have, you got Julius Peppers and you got Clay Matthews. Where they got Clay Matthews, I know he's he's playing well in the position he's playing in but he plays better when he can rush the passer. Um, you know, that right now, that you know, Dom Capers is kind of, you know, uh, running him, you know, back and forth, you know, from a middle linebacker standpoint, you know, playing him all over the field. But this is a guy that's got talent, and his talent is to rush the passer. And in order, if you got him playing on the opposite side of Julius Peppers, then you got to count. You got to double team these guys. And what that does is open up, you know, for B.J. Rogers or some of the other linebackers that Green Bay has to, you know, be able to get to the quarterback. And that will take some of the pressure off the defensive backs that are playing one-on-one on the outside. Because their, their defensive backs are very, very young. I mean, I think they got defensive backs that got three years or less experience. Um, so with that being said, it's going to be up to the, the big guys up front, the defensive line when you run the three, four, and the linebackers. And when you you got Clay Matthews playing in the middle, he might be able to bat a ball down and intercept it every once in a while. But he's not really rushing the passer that much, and he can't get the pressure from the middle linebacker spot 
than he can from the outside linebacker spot. So I think if you, you, you make a couple of changes as far as that goes, I think Green Bay will be a better team and they'll be able to, you know, do something defensively to kind of keep them in game where the offense doesn't have to necessarily bail them out, if that makes sense. And they so the the fight they had on the sideline with B.J. Raji and everybody, is that a, that a big deal or nothing? I think it's a big deal, uh, simply because I think some of the defensive players, uh, the defense needs to change. The philosophy of the defense needs to change. Uh, Ray, what do you, you think? Know? Um, I don't think it's too big a deal. I mean, when you play ball, that's what come along with it, arguments, fights, in, in practice, in the locker room. You know, I don't think it it was nothing uh, major to be concerned about. I think it's just mm-hmm. you guys have a difference of opinion that may went a little too far, being that it's you on live TV. So, you know, I don't. Th- I think it's just just passion for the game. Okay. Well, Green Bay gets a bye week next week when the the Detroit Lions come to town. So. Uh, they should be able to get back on the winning track at that point. And what's going on with Eddie Lacy? I have no idea. Um, he had five carries for 10 yards and a fumble. He's only gone over 50 yards twice this year. So I don't know what's going on with him, if he just banged up or what. But he is not having a good year. The Packers, played the, the Packers played the Lions this week. They've already had their bye week. No, I was being funny. I, I said they're playing the Lions. It's their bye week. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know uh, what I don't know what's up. Like said, and they can watch um, that game too. That's that's one of them games, man, where something crazy will happen. It's a trap game, you know. It's a division opponent on top of it. So, I mean, I think this is a game. I don't are the Green Bay Packers playing at home or they're playing in Detroit. They're in Lambeau. Well, I mean, regardless of whether they're playing Lambeau or not, this is, could be a trap game. And Detroit is one of them teams that you know they're trying to play for their coach. So. You know, this could be one of those games that, you know, this is not a sneak-up game, but I tell you what, it's going to be one that really needs to be a lot of attention paid to. So we'll see what if the ship gets right with Green Bay this week. And Rodgers going to drop 500 yards on that. But, uh, no, I don't know. We'll see. I need Calvin to have a good game for my fantasy team. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals are still undefeated, 8-0. They beat Cleveland last week, 31-10. to Johnny Football got his little um, opportunity to play. Now, he won't be the starter once uh, McNown comes back, or McCown, or whatever his name is. But, um, again, Andy Dalton look efficient, 21-27, 234 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the Bengals were able to run the ball with Bernard and Hill. And, I mean, Buck, they look like a solid team. I mean, I, I thought that Cleveland was a competitive team, but Cleveland just didn't have anything in the second half for the Bengals. Well, the Bengals are starting to look like believers. I mean, we, I think we, we say something about these Bengals every week, waiting for them to fall off, and they just haven't done it yet, simply because they're not making mistakes. Secondly, because they're they have they don't they have the few one of the teams in the league to have the fewest injuries. I don't think they have any injuries, um, other than some bumps and bruises. But um, 
these guys are playing lights out football. They're playing quality football. They're good on all sides of the ball, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. So they're they're making the plays where it happens. I mean, Cleveland really was outclassed before the game even started. I mean, I know Johnny Football was coming in there, and he, you know, we all thought he was going to do a little bit, you know, a little bit of something at least keep it competitive. But the Bengals are playing. The Bengals are one of them teams that you don't necessarily want to play right now. So um, they're a very complete team, and they're mistake-free, they're penalty-free, and they're injury-free. So as long as that continues, I think we need to start kind of looking at the Bengals as being one of these, you know, one of these teams that could be elite. I hate to even say that because they're in our same damn division, but you got to give them credit where credit is due. They're doing the damn thing. They're getting it done for sure. And um, Marvin Lewis is looking good. However, all of this will go away if they fool around and get bounced in their first playoff game. So regardless of what they do in the regular season, they have got to win their first playoff game when they get into the postseason. All right. And – Ray, the Colts did something I didn't think they were going to do, and they knocked off the undefeated Denver Broncos and took them to 7-1 and one for 27-24 victory. Uh, I thought the Broncos had way too good of a defense to let the Colts do what they did, Ray. And I know you got to comment on what um, um, Tlaib did at the end of the game that really kind of uh, helped the uh, the Indianapolis Colts run the clock out. What Akeem Talib did. Yeah, I mean, um, let's see. I start with how the game went first. Uh-huh. You know, I, you know, like I was saying to you guys last week. You know, Manning in his biggest moments. Yeah, you can come along and do a little something to make your stat line look respectable, but a house that you built. The guy that replaced you is going to upstage you on your big night and make matters worse. You could have had a real storybook ending to this thing, coming back to Indianapolis, getting the win, staying undefeated, and breaking the record. He didn't do none of it. He just let his team down, and he threw a crucial interception when the game was on the line. I mean, like I say, one of the classiest guys ever. We talking about winning and losing. He was going to find a way to go up there and lose that game, and that's exactly what happened. Now, as far as Tlaib goes, I mean, there's no room in sports for that. He should have got more than one game. He should have got about six. And, you know, once again, you know, we watch these games and people look up to the athletes and stuff like that. And if we could think they wouldn't be playing, and I'm going to keep on saying that. Because look at the stuff that you saw just on Sunday alone, the dumb penalties. They ain't like, well, you know, the holding, just dumb penalties. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of bad, but I love the sport so much that I have to overlook it. But, you know, Tlaib should have got six games. And, I mean, he walked over from – it. the fight wasn't even about him. He walked over to defend Von Miller out of all people who was more than capable of defending himself. 
and just poke the dude in the eye like look like three stooges type. Just put his hand in the guy's face mask, and now he's been suspended for a game um, over something that had nothing to do with him. It was just stupid. I really don't see the reason he even did it. And now you got to play the Chiefs next week, and, you know, your DB is gone. So after, you know, your first loss. Don't know if going to have some type of domino effect or not. You know, to where you're seven and two, and now all of a sudden you're opening the door for the Raiders and the Chiefs to get back into the division race. But all right, but the Patriots took care of the Redskins, twenty-seven to ten. Um, it wasn't a big blowout that a lot of people were expecting. The Redskins, I guess, were able to keep it decent um, as they dropped to three and five. But um, but I mean, the Patriots are eight zero. They're still going strong, man. Don't like anybody's going to get them right now. We're going to see what happens when they play the Giants this week. You know, we got, you know, you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? I, I don't know what to call Jason Pierre-Paul now. I guess I can call him. Nightcrawler. Uh, you can call him Nightcrawler. I was thinking more along the lines of Mortal Kombat or Kantaro or something. You, know, you, know, you, ain't, got but, you ain't got but three fingers. But, um, you know, the thing is, is that the Giants, you know, some teams just have your number, and the Giants just have New England's number. I would not be surprised if the Giants fool around, even though you got Eli Manning throwing the football. They seem to get up for New England, so don't be surprised if New England get their ass whooped this coming week. And it would be nice because, you know, it will slow down that train. But right now, so far, I mean, uh, Tom Brady's playing mad. And, you know, he's he's making stars out of Elderman and, and Gronkowski and – and whoever, and who you know, any any of the other players that they got, uh, right. the only the one Achilles heel though, New England did lose their running back to an ACL Deion injury. Lewis. Deion Lewis. So that's gonna slow them down a little bit, you know, make them a little bit more one dimensional. And the Giants have a defense that can hang with New England, and they know how to shut them down. So don't be surprised if the Giants fool around and, and upset these fools. So. You know, regardless to how mad that um, Tom Brady is playing, his ass gonna really be mad when the Giants stomp that ass this coming weekend. All right, all right. Well, um, Ray, I just think the Patriots are a machine. They're gonna do what they do and keep it moving. The Giants have always seemed like they've been able to stop the Patriots when it counts, but we'll get into that probably that matchup tomorrow. Um. Ray, as far as the Redskins are concerned, man, uh, I mean, Kirk Cousins wasn't very impressive. The running game wasn't impressive. Yet they still sit at three and five. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how they're still in a position to win the division after watching them on Sunday and seeing how poor they look. No, I think um, the Skins have a decent team, you know. It's just they got to put it all together. I think Sean Jackson's been hurt. All year, but once he gets healthy, you know, they may be able to do some things. Even in the games they lost, they they, they, they showed up in them, you mm-hmm. know, for the most part. So, I mean, I think a lot of people get down on Redskins. They've been losing. And uh, Kirk Cousins is uh, not RG3, at least physically. I think uh-huh. playing them than RG3 could, but, you know, people just see Kurt Cousins and they automatically think that, oh, he's not ready and 
you know, he's not going to do this and not going to do that. But the guy is performing, so you have to give him some credit. I think Kirk Cousins and Josh McNown are the most disrespecting quarterbacks in the NFL. And these guys have been playing great. Mm-hmm. I agree. They've been playing very well. But, uh, yeah, so the Patriots keep on moving, keep on doing their thing. And uh, the game and that shocked me the most, Blaine Gabbert and the 49ers getting a 17-16 victory over the Falcons. But how bad of a loss was this? Because now at, with the Falcons, you know, you're – you're steadily falling behind Carolina. Well, the the you say this is the worst one, but I actually say the Saints, Tennessee, which I hope we'll talk about in a minute because the bastards cost me some money. But uh, um, this was actually a bad loss too. I mean, you Blaine Gabbert came off the bench. You know, he hadn't done too much of anything since you know since he's been in the National Football League. You know, he won a few games down there in Jacksonville or wherever he was, um, but. You know, we already know that the sweating coach for the 49ers, you know, you know, a lot of players retire. A lot of people just, just quit and retire. Uh, some of them got thrown in jail or whatever or had some other issues. So this team is already in dis- disarray. And then you got, you know, you got the uh, the terrorists there getting put on the bench. So, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going over there in San Francisco. But Blaine Gabbert coming off the bench and beating the, the – Six and two now six and nine Falcons. I mean, I know they say my boy the terrorist is not out of breath, but I would be out of out of breath if you let get Blaine Gavin step on the football field and win a football game. I don't care if it's one point, three points, or nine points. This this is really bizarre. And I mean, I know the Forty Nineers got a lot of issues, but Gavin came in there to win that game. That is disturbing. <laughs> It's <laughs> disturbing, and uh, I mean it doesn't look good. You know, I, maybe you know the terrorists, terrorists, uh, you know, days may be numbered as a forty nine and it's uh, it's a sad day. Um, but I mean, the forty nine have issues on both, on all three phases of football. So let us let's not get it twisted. They don't have a good offensive line. They damn sure don't have a good defensive line. And their special teams ain't ain't nothing to sneeze at either. They they ain't that good either. So they got issues. But for Blaine Gavin to rally these boys and make them win, and especially after a week where you get rid of Vernon Davis on top of it, man, it just don't look good for the terrorists. Hello? And Ray, yeah, my bad. My bad, my mute was on. Ray, I agree with Buck. I know the last thing Colin Kaepernick wanted to see them do was win with Blaine Gabbard at quarterback. Now, Gabbard didn't have any impressive numbers. He was 15 of 25 for 185, two touchdowns and two interceptions. But they were still able to get by, mainly on the strength of their defense, holding Devontae Freeman to 12 yards rushing, even though he did have a good day receiving. Um but, I mean, can the 49ers continue to do anything with Blaine Gabbert, or was this strictly just a de- defensive e- effort that they were able to turn into a victory? No, I think Blaine Gabbert was solid. I know he had a couple interceptions, but he was solid. And um, the thing is, is, and I always believe, and I'm going to keep saying it, you need somebody who's going to throw the ball from the pocket. 
not a guy that looks up and ready to run and, you know, because that's the exciting thing. That's what's going to get him on Sports Center and all that other kind of stuff. He, I can't understand when a guy looks up to somebody as a kid. You have to learn how to play the position correctly. And all these guys running and, yeah, you use your legs. Yeah, that's great. But you got to be able to use your arm at the same time. And Cam Newton has figured out how to do that to perfection. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind the guy running, but you got to be able to throw from the pocket. Lady Gabbert came out here who was arguably the, the worst quarterback in the NFL who could possibly start. You know, he didn't do absolutely nothing. But then, you know, he can't throw it from the pocket, and that's what he did, and he's winning. You know, I, I want to see the GM that gave Kaepernick all that money in the first place, <laughs> you know. And... You know, a lot of these boys need to use their head a little bit instead of trying to, you know, see if they can get 20 and $21 million and all that. You know, take the 15 and put you some talent around you. And that's make you why look Tom better. successful because mm-hmm. he gave some back. And because he's winning, he's going to get endorsements which is what Russell Wilson and all the other guys could have done. But backing up and time you back up, you take it off running and shit, you know, they can't even use uh, Jimmy Graham, right, because he don't have no blocking, you know, mm-hmm. and it's partially to it's partially his own fault, you know. Damn, if I'm making $700,000, somebody give me fifteen. that's 20 times what I was making. You can't argue with that. But they get the agent get in the ear, and this is what you get. Now look at Kaepernick; uh, he's gonna be out of there. That's affiliate somebody trades for him next year. He's gonna be standing there looking. You know, keep playing Gap uh, in there until we see what happens. Yeah. Well, see, I know that's the last thing he wanted to see happen, though. But um, but the Titans did get over on the Saints. 34 to 28 behind this uh, overtime victory, behind the strength of a couple of lucky plays and Marcus Mariota playing a really good game, 28 of 30. I don't know how uh, Rob Ryan still has a job as a defense coordinator. Rob Ryan shouldn't have a job. He, I mean, if the only place he needs to have a job is up there in Buffalo. But that's the only person that'll probably give him a damn job. The Saints got a lot of issues. When you lose at home to a team that just lost its coach the same week, you got issues, Jack. I mean, you got <laughs> Drew Brees quarterback. But this is this is the thing, and Tom Benson has done this way too often. Tom Benson has gotten rid of more talent in the last five years than any other team in the National Football League. You do not let Jimmy Graham go. You do not let Dan Sproles go. These are two individuals that that play lights-out football for you in the last five years, and you let these guys go because you don't want to pay them. It's not like Tom Benson don't have any money because you, you see what kind of contract that Drew Brees got. You got plenty, plenty enough money to pay these two guys. 
And when you take these kind of stars away from your football team, you're taking away a core of your offense. Okay. So now he's having to break in new players. And these new players are not, you know, Drew Brees can still throw that rock. And he throw it hard. And these guys got to adjust to his his throwing style. And you, New Orleans got a lot of drop passes. And we know what the defense looks like because, I mean, why do you think Dallas got rid of Rob Ryan? I mean, he might, he might need to cut some of that hair and lose some of that weight like his brother, and maybe he can coach a little bit better. But mm-hmm. maybe he, take, maybe he t- also takes after Buddy Ryan in his elder years because we all know that, you know, that – well, I forgot what that defense he used to call. What was the defense that Buddy Ryan used to call? Whoever the that? Was it 46 defense? 46 defense, and maybe his his son, you know, his son is kind of using that 46 defense, and that shit played out. You can't play that no more. And plus, you know, the talent that the New Orleans Saints has, it doesn't, you know, if he's running that style of defense, it's not going to work because you don't. You got to have some guys that got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of knowledge and know how to play the game. These all these guys are youngsters because you you don't have enough. You don't have a, a core on the defense either. So with those two issues, you know, when you lose a home team like this, you know, Rob Ryan should have been fired the minute he hit the locker room, in my opinion. Okay. And, Ray, you have any thoughts on Rob Ryan? Oh, I think Rob is a, is a hustler. You know, they let him hmm. go. He's going to be somewhere else next Probably week. So. Talking, to, talking a good game, you know. Mm-hmm. He he's had a couple of good offenses, good defenses since he was coaching in the league. But New Orleans, I mean, he just completely stunk it up. I know they had injuries and this and that, but you know, I think he he's a lot of hype. I don't think that it's hard to say he doesn't know what he's doing, but I think the effort is not there, you know, and. It takes more than hooping and hollering, pumping your fist to give the effort. So, you know, and it's always going to be the same. You know, Drew Brees is a great quarterback, but he's going to figure out a way to lose the game. Sure, the stat line going to be second. 350 yards and four touchdowns and this, this, and this. But when it all counts, you got to be able to get it done. That's where everybody's waiting on when he's gone. Can you get it done when you have to? Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to run into a team like Pittsburgh or something early and get their ass knocked right off. Because they mm-hmm. don't go into the game with their asses tight. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. He's going to work himself into a friend. Well, we'll see what happens there. But um, I'm, I'm anxious to, um, to see some of these teams move on to the next level to see what's going to, there's anything they can do. Um, in the matchup of old versus present running backs, Adrian Peterson had 29 carries, 125 yards, and a touchdown against the Rams. And Ty Gurley had 24 carry, carries, 89 yards rushing, and one touchdown. So, I mean, that was a modest matchup. He did all right. He kind of held his own a little bit, but Minnesota was able to get the 21-18 victory in a moving 6-2. and two. And, all right, let me get into some – who am I right quick? 
Let's see, let's see. Today's the tenth. All right. First one. I am a six foot two, two hundred and fourteen pound quarterback that turned twenty three years old today. I was drafted in the first round, the last pick of the first round. In 2014, by the Minnesota Back Vikings out of Louisville. Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater. Theodore Edmund Bridgewater. Damn right, you give me all the time, man. <laughs> oh, did y'all see Teddy go to sleep? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was asleep. He was Roy Jones sleep. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he really was, man. Yeah, he was. So, all right. I am a six foot five, two hundred and forty nine pound tight end, turned twenty five years old today, drafted in the second round in two thousand thirteen by the Philadelphia Eagles out of Stanford. Zachary Adam Ertz. I beat you, Ray. <laughs> nah, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> My phone is delayed. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I beat you. I am a six foot, one hundred and ninety-seven pound wide receiver who turns thirty-five years old today. Drafted in the first round of two thousand two by the New Orleans Saints out of Tennessee. Who am I? Two thousand and two. Oh. Oh. No, what's it? No, nah, it could have been Peel's fight. He was the Bills. yeah, it was way after him. Yeah, uh, New Orleans Saints. Also played Ooh. for for the Jets. Is he still playing? Uh, I'm sorry, not the Jets, the Eagles. Uh, no, he's not playing. Here's a hint that's going to give it away. He took off 2009 because he killed somebody. What? He had to sit out 2009 because he killed somebody. And he was a wide receiver? Yep. He played in Cleveland. Oh, uh, uh, uh. Dante Stallworth. Yep, Dante Lamar Stallworth had to sit out a year for driving Jesus. drunk. Damn, I had to think about that. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah. Didn't he take the right. Cowboys too? Nah. No. Last one. I am a six foot tall, one hundred and eighty-eight pound wide receiver that turns forty-three today. Drafted in the second round of 1994 by the Los Angeles Rams out of Memphis. Oh, out of Memphis. Oh, they turned, what, 43? Yep, that's about the Los mm. Angeles Rams. Uh, not out of Memphis, that's somebody I'm thinking about. Oh, 
Los Angeles Rams. Another Damn. clue. Another clue. He wore number 80. Uh, damn. Oh, oh boy. Uh, just sitting oh, all the records. Uh, played with Tory Holt. What is it? Isaac Bruce? Isaac Isidore Bruce. Who, despite having 15,000 yards in his career and 1,024 catches, was never all pro. It hasn't made the the Hall of Fame yet. Nope, not in the Hall of Fame either. All these bombs in there. Goodness gracious. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons over 1,000 yards. One year he had 1,700 yards. Um, Unfortunately, that's the year I think Jerry Rice had 1,800 yards. Um, Yeah, he just came up in the era with uh, Sterling Sharp. And Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin, Herman Moore. Uh, then, of course, Torrey Holt was his teammate. And uh, Tim Brown. And, I mean, he just came up in a time where receivers uh, were just doing their thing. And he never got an all-pro. 1,700 yards and you don't make an all-pro. <laughs> That's crazy, man. I got to look to see who made it. Hold on, 1995. Well, you know Jerry was one of them. Yeah, and I think Michael Irvin was the other one because I think Michael Irvin had his best season in 1995. What about Tim Brown? I bet you Tim Brown had – he made All-Pro that year. Let me look. 19 – hold on. Let me see if I can – let's see. Seasons – Looking for awards. And let's see, I know Brent Favre got MVP. I just have to Google it. 1995 NFL All-Pro. 1995 NFL All-Pro team. At wide receiver, you had Jerry Rice and Herman Moore. Second team, you had Chris Carter and Carl Pickens out of Cincinnati. So that's what he was dealing with. Got about Carl Pickens, too. Got about Carl Pickens. Yeah, he was a good player. He was a very good player. So I'm trying to see. um, I'm trying to see what the, the, the list looked like in. 1995, as far as the leaderboard. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Receiving. All right, receiving yards. Let's see. Chris Carter had 17 touchdowns. Him and Carl Pickens had 17 touchdowns. All right. Jerry Rice had 15. Isaac Bruce had 13. Okay, Herman Moore had 123 catches. Chris Carter and Jerry Rice had 122. Isaac Bruce had 119. Receiving yards, Jerry Rice had 1,848. Isaac Bruce had 1,781. But Herman Moore had 1,686. Uh, So, I guess all those touchdowns, 1,686 plus 17 touchdowns, 
probably going to uh, get you in a nod over Isaac Bruce. Isaac Bruce just didn't get no respect, did he? I mean, he, he finished. To me, he had a better season than Carl Pickens, it looks like. I'm trying to think. Carl Pickens in 1995, and he had the 17 touchdowns. He had yeah, 1,200 yards. Steelers and the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl, so, I mean, that's the reason had, why. But he had 1,200 yards receiving compared to either Bruce that had 500 more receiving yards. It's not like either Bruce would have got the nod. He should have got Carl the nod. Pickens. I mean, he only had four less touchdowns, but he had 500 more receiving yards. Man, the Bruce might have gotten screwed out of an All Pro, at least yeah. second team All Pro. He should have. So, but yep, yeah, never made All Pro. But to me, um, 15,000 yards is 15,000 yards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's time to put that man in the Hall of Fame where he belongs. And, you know, I just think it's a shame, man. He's making guys, Tim Brown, wait. They made Chris Carter wait. And, you know, now Isaac Bruce is probably going to have to wait a while. And you look around at some of these guys, not to take nothing away from them. But, you know, they got 300 catches and they in there. Now, you can't have an error where you say, oh, what's the passing error? but you're going to put the quarterback in there, but you ain't going to put the wide receiver in there, and you ain't going to put the running back in there that's got 11,000, 12,000 yards that ran the ball and got all these yards during the passing year. So it, it makes no sense. Only thing coming out this thing smelling like a rose is the quarterback. And, the quarterbacks you know, are good. Yeah, manning them they records go, man. and all that. They don't say, mm-hmm. well, they're, they're throwing the ball more. Yeah. But the completion percentage is higher. They're more accurate. If you look at an old quarterback back in the day versus now, it looks like high school compared to to the pros. And, you know, it's just it's, it's messed up. And I think they're screwing over a lot of people, you know. And who knows when they're going to get in. You know, telling. All right, anybody got anything before we go ahead and wrap this up? Um, we can talk about, real quick, if you want, Alabama and LSU. Yeah, that was a hell of a game uh, for for a little bit, and then, you know, Alabama started stomping that ass. But, you know, I just don't think the LSU had enough. I mean, I don't know if some of these people down there thought LSU had enough, but they don't. But i tell you one thing. Everybody better get ready because Alabama got to travel to Starkville, and I, I think they're going to have something for Alabama this year. I'm not saying that they, they'll they win it, but I sure hope they do so they can shut some of these motherfuckers <laughs> up down here because I'm so sick of that roll tide shit. But um, I'm looking forward roll. to it. I think it's going to be a big game for Mississippi State. If Mississippi State fool around and win this game, that puts Alabama on the outside, you know, on the outside of things. So I'm looking forward to Mississippi State for an upset. So. That's, you know, hopefully Mr. Mistake can pull it off, and we'll see how it goes. Now, Mr. Mistake going to be upset, all right? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they'll be the ones upsetting, the, upsetting that tide. Hell State. All right. And anybody see the Timothy Bradley-Brandon Rios fight? Nah, yeah, I, I saw it. Uh, Brandon Rios just looked like they shouldn't have paid him. You know, I mean, he just looked like he was just interested. He looked like 
he just was there to fulfill his last fight or something, and he looked like he didn't even want to box at all. If that's the case, he shouldn't have showed up, you know, after talking all that he was talking and then come in and fight like that. And afterwards, you say, you know, you don't care, you're retired and fucking and all this, that. He's cursing right on live on there, you know, and I was like, man, that's just messed up, you know, good. And Bradley got the victory. I think if he's been completely healthy, Bradley still would have beat him. But, you know, I saw it. It was uh, it was a different Timothy Bradley in this fight. He seemed like he was more, uh, he was doing more boxing than slugging. Is that um, Teddy Atlas? Yes. Yeah, they, uh, they, they they got a whole other game playing now. Yeah, I think Teddy Atlas um, had him right. So. What well, you know? The rubber getting ready to meet the road in this welterweight division. That's some you know, point it's got you, to. You got one time, and you got what's his boy named Spence, and you got. You know, Sean Porter still, and you know, it's a lot, a lot of names in that welterweight division. It's looking good. So, all right, well, get ready to shut this thing down, and uh, before they shut me down, and we'll get back at it tomorrow. Uh, let's see, you know, tomorrow I got a show. We're gonna talk a little bit about the vets. And I got another topic, a little secondary topic to bring up. Uh, next week, I don't think I have anything really planned for next Tuesday and Wednesday as of yet. Uh, next Thursday, I'm going to have um, the, actually the the referee from the Timothy Bradley Rios fight. T- uh, Tony Weeks is going to join us next Thursday and the Young Brothers. So it's going to be a special Thursday live show next week at the same time, so you all get ready for that. All right. Okay. We'll get into some boxing, and uh, Tony Weeks, like he's pretty excited to join the show, so talk about his career. That dude started off as a prison guard, <laughs> and now okay. he's a boxing referee. So, but, All right, fellas, go ahead and shut this down. appreciate you hanging out with me, and you all have uh-huh. been listening to the Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. Go to TalkToQ.com, sign up for that newsletter, and keep up with what's going on on T2Q. No theme song tonight. Everyone have a good night, and peace out.